Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today on the show, I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me here on this Tuesday afternoon. We've got a lot to discuss as we continue to look forward to the Auburn Regional as Auburn baseball gets set for a trip inside the NCAA tournament. We'll continue to have some thoughts on that, we will break down Auburn men's basketball's roster as Janai Broom made it official that he will continue on with the Auburn basketball program for another season. We'll kind of give you a refreshed look at the depth chart and what Auburn may need to add as they still wait on a couple decisions that could be important in the transfer portal, at least a couple guys at other schools that put their name into the draft that may or may not keep their name in the draft in the next 48 hours. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll recap some Braves from last night as the Braves did lose to the Oakland Athletics because sports are sometimes very unfortunate, uh, but uh, did have Michael Soroka make his return to the Braves. We'll break that down. Uh, Also have a little breakdown of Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, as both the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals got set last night, and they will start later this week. Uh, so that's really kind of winding down the professional sports uh, calendar, at least uh, in terms of all the winter sports, as uh, only baseball will remain uh, throughout this summer. So starting to get in the in the final hours of all that. So a lot to talk about. And, of course, we'll keep you updated on SEC spring meetings in Destin, Florida. Uh, a lot of coaches starting to get interviewed today. Their thoughts on the eight-game versus nine-game schedule model. So we'll update you with any relevant uh, news from the SEC spring meetings. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here this afternoon. Tom Peavy, how are you doing, sir? Oh, man, I'm doing uh, I'm doing better than the Atlanta Braves are right now. Jeez. Uh, you don't we, feel like a first-place team? That does that did not look like a first-place team last night. Uh, we, you know, we talked about We sit here and talked on the show about how uh, the Braves would just be able to ease through the Oakland A's. I mean, they won 10 games all season. Now – they just beat the brakes off the Braves last night. So, yeah, good job, Atlanta. But uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, doing fine. Just uh, getting myself on through the work week. You know, it's it's nice and comfortable outside. We still haven't gotten to the uh, unbearable heat, which I'm sure we'll be getting here sometime soon. So, just yeah, getting through the work week, watching how watching how the world turns in the world of sports. Yeah, uh, and again, there is still a decent amount going on, although uh, obviously, as I just alluded to, starting to wind down some of these other professional sports uh, for sure. Uh, we did talk about the Braves a little bit yesterday, although uh, I did mention that 
if they were going to lose a game, it felt like they would lose uh, the Soroka game. Uh, but still, it wasn't Soroka's fault, though. Right. I mean, he was okay. I mean, still, I mean, gave up four runs. I mean, I'm not blaming him, but I'm right. saying if you give up four runs every start, it's going to be like a six ERA. Oh, yeah. So, um, but he was good. He was good the, the majority until of the, game. the fifth inning. Until yeah, the fifth was, inning, and he got in trouble. But the Braves' offense just couldn't do anything. Right. And again, I, I know people are going to be upset about it. Uh, but it is nevertheless one baseball game. I don't care who it's against. It can happen. Uh, so we'll see if the Braves end up losing that series, then we'll have a different conversation, and it might be something they come to regret uh, much later in the season. But, again, it's baseball. Yeah. I know some people will be upset about it. Maybe they had jet I, lag. I had other things on my mind, though. And that that is something, too, that the Braves were frustrated about is that they played the Sunday night game right. on the East Coast and then went to the West Coast and played a five Pacific time game. Right. Um, so, again, travel is a thing, and I'm not going to excuse it completely, but uh, it it might have played a role, and we'll see if they come back fresher tomorrow but again the biggest news and brooks will join us in just a moment the biggest news yesterday it fortunately did happen just before we got off the show uh, and that was Janai broom returning to uh, the men's basketball team for next year obviously big time excitement uh, from bruce pearl from everyone involved we saw the stream of people start to uh to tweet about it as we were getting off the air uh again so vital we're, we'll break down the depth chart a little bit later but uh, so vital to get him back because, as we've discussed, there were just not going to be uh, Janai Broom caliber replacements ready to go in the portal from everything we saw. Uh, and that's your best big player. You, Tom, even at, at parts, wanted to get someone even bigger, maybe not better, but at least someone bigger right. even than Janai Broom is just to defend the rim and spurts and that sort of thing. And they would have been seriously hurting if they had lost – uh, Janai Broom, uh, along with that, you know, Broom obviously was still a good shot blocker, uh, despite not sure. being the seven foot guy, but he's still 6'10, still a big dude. Uh, but again, so important for Auburn's uh, ceiling next year that Janai Broom's back. Yeah. Uh, what did we play? What? Uh, big deal. Little no, deal or no big deal. Yeah. yeah big this deal. is big deal. Yes. Big, big deal. Um, uh, he, uh, he he changes him coming back to Auburn really changes kind of the the outlook on the entire season you would think um, if he had if he elected to stay in the NBA draft you're looking at Dylan Cardwell being your your low post guy I love Dylan Cardwell I love what he brings but I he's not a guy that you necessarily want as your starting center um, and so. Auburn, I think, was going to be in real big trouble if, if that had been the case. But now that he comes back and you put him with the newcomers and the returning guys, I I really like the outlook of, of this team now. Um, they're still going to be on the smallish side. They're not going to be a, a big team like some that they may face. But the talent is going to be there now. And, and that was just kind of that – missing puzzle piece that you were really curious about because I mean, it feels like everything else is pretty set you just had those questions on the inside you know is it going to be him or we're just going to have to go with dylan cardwell and then not have a whole lot of depth there this answered that question and so the outlook seems very much positive right now yeah the the too deep situation now for auburn there's one little hole i can i can poke in it and we will 
uh, again, go through that in a little while. But uh, the two-deep situation is now pretty healthy for Auburn, at least at three, if not four, the positions. And, again, there could be one little spot there that you could fill in. Brooks Childress also on the show today. Brooks, I hope you're doing well, man. I hope you had a great weekend. I'm doing fine. Had a, had a pretty decent weekend. Um, watched a lot of uh, different sporting events and – yeah, it's uh, it's it was a it was a relaxing day. I didn't get the whole day off yesterday, but did get to go home a little bit early. Took a took a little bit of a nap in the afternoon hours, and and then uh, yeah, we were uh, we we had a fun weekend. So glad to be back on the program. Glad to be here talking about one uh, Auburn hosting another regional in the Auburn baseball, but two Auburn getting uh, Janai Broom back as you guys were talking about. It's um, it's it's great, and so can't wait to talk about that. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers, too. Yeah, if you want to give us a call today on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 As we go to our first break a little bit early here, want to give you the opportunity to win some baseball tickets to the Atlanta Braves right here. If you call us right now, we've got four tickets to next Wednesday's game inside of Truist Park. The Atlanta Braves playing the New York Mets. That is a night game, 7.20 Eastern start next Wednesday. If you call in right now, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9, you can be the winner of four tickets to the Atlanta Braves and New York Mets next Wednesday inside of Truist Park. More sports call right after the break. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this very sunny afternoon. Again, Tom, we've been looking at this weather for a while and uh, very pleasant temperatures for the end of the It's actually May. been cold at night. I mean, it's. I don't know what's going to happen in July uh-huh. as retribution for this, but it's it's been pretty nice yeah, the last um, week. Yeah, I, I was sitting outside with a friend of mine the other day, and I mean, it, it was cold. I, I was in shorts and a t-shirt, and it was downright cold. Um, and I, I even commented, I was like, "Man, it's like we're almost in June, yeah, and we're sitting outside shivering right now." I was like, "This is crazy." Yeah, I and mean, we only we had that one couple of days of just what we we called the uncomfortable heat, yeah, and now it's just been really mild. The rest of the way, which yeah, that, it kind of scares me that we're just going to get just absolutely right, wallowed. Yeah, they're 
Mother Nature is just teasing us right now before yeah. she just brings the heat and puts us in the den. Yeah, in and the, to in get, the oven. get this low 80s weather with relatively low humidity and right. not much rain, you yeah. know, too. Like, you, normally, if you get a bit of a cool down, it's it's going to be because uh, there's some showers. So, uh, fortunate weather. Uh, hopefully, the weather will stay like this for the Auburn Regional this weekend. Oh. And we certainly hope, uh, uh, you know, although, again, with those late o'clock late o'clock games late those o'clock. late night games yeah. late o'clock it's late, late o'clock, o'clock somewhere and um these eight o'clock games will get pretty chilly if the trend continues by the by the yep. seventh eighth inning so but again a good problem to have for sure before we go any further in today's show let's get to today's birthdays and sports it's time for today's birthdays and sports Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you, one location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. John Alt turned 61 today, former Chiefs offensive tackle. Alt grew up in Minnesota and played college football at Iowa. Go Hawkeyes. He was drafted 21st overall by the Chiefs in 1984, played 12 seasons in the NFL, all in Kansas City. Two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame. Straight out of Columbia Heights, Minnesota, Columbia Heights High School, go Highlanders. Okay, that's another good another we had new a, one. What, we, what did we have, a Pathfinder yesterday? Pathfinders yesterday, yeah. We're starting to name some cars at this, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> well, uh, it's Highlanders, H-Y-L-A-N-D-E-R-S. Never mind. Highlanders. Wow, that is definitely different. Okay, I appreciate it. John Alt turned 61 today. Billy Donovan turns 58. He's the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, also known for his time as the head coach at the University of Florida. Donovan was born in Long Island, New York, and was a star in basketball in high school. Go ahead and give us that high school since he was a star in basketball. He was at St. Agnes School in Rockville Center, New York. Go Stags. The Stag. This is great stuff. <laughs> awesome. So for the Stags, he was a star in basketball. He played college basketball at Providence. The Friars. And in 1987, began a short pro career. After his playing days were over, he began coaching at Kentucky and was hired as the Florida head coach in 1996. He coached Florida for 19 seasons, three-time SEC Coach of the Year, six-time SEC Regular Season Champ, four-time SEC Tournament Champ, four-time Final Four participant, and two-time NCAA Tournament Champion. In 2016, he rejoined the NBA ranks and is currently the head coach of the Bulls. I believe he broke back in with the Thunder originally there. Yeah. Billy Donovan turns 58 today. Manny Ramirez turns 51, former MLB outfielder. Ramirez was born in the Dominican Republic and moved to New York at age 14. He was drafted 13th overall by the Indians in 1991. I assume out of high school? Out of George Washington High School in New York City, go Trojans. He left there when he was 19 years old, so he didn't graduate. Okay, but he hit the ball very hard. Made his major league debut in 1993. Began a career that would span 19 years in the majors, most of that time with the Indians and the Red Sox. 12-time All-Star, 9-time Silver Slugger, 2-time AL Hank Aaron Award winner, 1-time AL Batting Champion, Home Run Leader, and RBI Leader, 2-time World Series Champion, and 1-time World Series MVP. He is a member of the Guardians and Red Sox Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez turns 51 today. And Zach Wheeler turns 33, pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. He threw a great one against the Braves last week. Wheeler was raised in Smyrna, Georgia, Smyrna, Georgia, and was uh, and was Gatorade Player of the Year for the state as a senior. In two, 2015, his high school retired his jersey. 
He was drafted sixth overall by the Giants in 2009, was traded to the Mets, where he made his debut in 2013. He had a, he had his best season while with the Phillies in 2021, where he was an all-star and led the NL in strikeouts. So where did he uh, go to high school there? So uh, born, in Smyrna. born in Smyrna, Georgia. He moved to Dallas, Georgia, and attended East Paulding High School. That's Paulding County. So East Paulding High School, go Raiders. Go Raiders. Okay. So Zach Wheeler turns and, th- 33 today. Uh, uh, drafted in the first round out of high school and was committed to Kennesaw State. Go Owls. Wow. Kennesaw State really wishes they would have gotten him. There I mean, Kennesaw go. State's done okay in baseball, but... Man, that would have been a big get. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, John Alt, 61. Billy Donovan, 58. Manny Ramirez, 51. Zach Wheeler, 33. All right, uh, let's continue talking again with the top story of Janai Broom. Let's go through this depth chart a little bit uh, now that we have that confirmation. Again, I'm now going under the assumption Jalen Williams is back. I've, I've, again, not heard a direct tweet as we talked about yesterday, but there's really been no buzz to the contrary. So if you're looking at this too deep, point guards you've got uh, in some order, Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway. Shooting guards you've got Denver Jones and Katie Johnson. Small forwards you got Chad Baker, Mazzara, and either Cheney Johnson or Chris Moore, depending on where you want to fit where. Starting power forward would be Jalen Williams, and then the other one between Chris Moore and Cheney Johnson. And then centers, Janai Broom, Dylan Cardwell. I think there's a pretty clear opportunity to improve somewhere. What do you guys think of that too deep, though, for Auburn? I think it's fine. I think that it's it's a team that you know we've we've talked about before. Um, it's a team that can that it it feels kind of like what it it could be a uh, a reminiscent of that uh, Sharif Cooper team, the twenty twenty one team, where it felt like they they had pieces that are really good talent wise, but they were just missing one thing uh, that could bring them all together and, and make them a a, a, a viable. Uh, a, a viable team. I do think they'll win quite a few basketball games next year. Uh, I, I think that they can, you know, go into the go and in, go into the SEC sketch slate with a, a fairly good record. Um, just a couple, you know, maybe just a couple losses on that uh, from the non-con, and uh, you know, you, you get into that SEC slate. And you never know what's going to happen. Um, I think there's a lot of teams in this conference that have lost quite a bit of talent this year, and. So I think that you're going to – you've got a chance to be – you know I think this team's got a chance to be a top-five team in the SEC next year uh, if they can put it all together uh, correctly. And I, I have faith that Bruce Pearl and the staff will, will get them playing at that level. Do you think they need something else? Do you think that there is an obvious need, in your opinion? Um, I don't know if – Okay, well, let me phrase it this yeah. way. Is there something else you want? Are are you good with this roster going in? I would like a little bit more. Like one, I'd like one more score. I think I would like one more score on this roster because I think that's that's where you saw um, Auburn get into some trouble last year was they couldn't. And Bruce Pearl's offenses love to run, uh, love to shoot the three, and you really didn't have a lot of three point. Um, you didn't have a lot of three point makers on that team last year. They were, you know, Wendell he could pull up and hit a few. Um, 
but there wasn't a there wasn't a go to guy like there like was a few years ago like uh, uh, um, I almost said Bruce Brown <laughs> Bryce Brown uh, there wasn't a Bryce Brown on this team that you you looked and said yeah give give it to him he's gonna he's gonna hit a three so I, I'd like to get someone that that's high I guess that, what I'm looking for is uh, is shooting okay so um, another guard or yeah, wing that can yeah shoot. I, th- I think another like a, another another guard or wing that that can knock down a three when you need it. Because I think the uh, the kid from uh, Florida International, Denver, uh, Jones. Denver Jones, he's a good scorer. I think he's going to be a solid scorer. Um, so, so I think we the Tigers would be would benefit greatly from getting a guy that can knock it down from the outside. Tom, what about you? Ask the question again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was trying to. I was taking care of company um, business uh, over other here. things. Um, so, I okay. First, we went through the two deep. Okay, so do you need to hear the two deep again? So, so the point guards Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway, right. shooting guards Denver Jones and Katie Johnson, right? Small fours Chad Baker, Mazzara, and then either Chris Moore, or Chaney Johnson, depending on how they group position wise. Power forwards Jalen Williams and the other one between Chris Moore and Chaney Johnson, and then centers Janai Broom, Dylan Cardwell. Is there anywhere in particular you feel there is a hole or ah. there is a need? Is there anything that you want still remaining? Uh I you know I man I I almost I almost still feel like I would like some more depth at that center position. Um I I mean I I really do like Dylan Cardwell with the energy that he brings and everything but I I I just I I hate to say it it sounds so bad but I'd like to see him get a better player. Uh I mean you know, like I said love the energy love what he brings and I mean he he's pretty decent but I think they can do better. Um and I, you know, I'd love to see somebody come in that you could trust more to back up Janai Broom. Um, you should not be in the situation, like I said, where if Janai had decided to stay in the NBA draft, that you were just basically screwed at that position. So, you know, if there was a hole, I would say to try to find some depth there. Um, outside of that, I mean, I feel like they've done a good job filling the the spots that they needed. I mean. Uh, I mean, you would you would have to imagine that the guard play is going to be better this year. It seems like it would be. Um, you know, you you filled the holes that you thought were going to need to be filled. Uh, you you had a feeling that Flanagan was going to be gone, but you've done the things that you need to do to try to get somebody to fill that void. So yeah, I, I really think that the only hole would just be another piece on that inside, a, a, another big, just to have that depth. So I think that you could go two ways with it and I think you guys kind of both hit on 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 the two scenarios here. I don't think they're bringing in another point guard because whether look you can't say with absolute certainty that you will love both what Donaldson and Holloway do. Obviously you love the ceilings. Um, but you've loved the ceilings of a lot of people before, and some hit their head on them, and some don't even j- look like they jump towards the ceiling. You know, I mean, some some guys end up being bust. You know, I mean, a, a pretty highly rated guy, Turbo Jones, was did not look looked way above his head uh, at, at Auburn and had to go to South Alabama. Turned out to be decent for South, but it, it was just kind of in over his head. Um, so Holloway is a much bigger deal than that. And I think that he will be pretty good uh, from the word go. At one point, will be really good. Um, but then you also got with Trey Donaldson, somebody that 
if you can bottle up what you saw at the very end of the year, both in the Alabama game and in the NCAA tournament, then you feel great about that. But you still are relying on guys that combined to play like 10 minutes a game in college last year because Holloway wasn't in college. Donaldson was it was a backup, obviously. So, But regardless, my point being is I think Auburn would have desperately tried to hold on to Wendell Green Jr. if they felt like they weren't going to be comfortable with those two. They're comfortable with those two. Uh, it, they might get two home runs there. We'll see. Um, I think what you could look at as Brooks said, is another shooter. I love the fact that Chad Baker Mazzara is so long, but has also been, whether he'd been in, at Duquesne, San Diego State, or JUCO, has been a good percentage shooter, no matter where he's been. He was almost 50% at JUCO, and he was 40% in college uh, at the D1 level. So that I love that. If you could get one more of those type of guys – that could play, I don't know, three or four as another solid shooter, I think that would be optimal. When I look at it, I, I think the biggest hole is somewhere in that three to five range because you're going to be relying on, look, to some degree they are unknowns, but you're going to be relying on guys at the guard position that you're going to be kind of married to whether or not they end up being everything you want them to be or not. You're going to be married to the idea of either Hallway or Donaldson going to be good. You're married to the idea that Denver Jones is going to play a lot and he's going to need to score for you. You're married to the idea of another year of Katie Johnson being a sixth man and you know hoping you get more good days than bad days. You're in on those. But what you don't have to be married to is you don't have to be married to 16 minutes a game for Chris Moore. You don't have to be married to Cheney Johnson has to be good. You don't have to be married necessarily to Dylan Cardwell playing a lot if you pick up someone else right. in one of these three to five positions. Um, so I think they could stand to get another shooter because when you're looking at it, they brought in a good all-around score but also shooter in Denver Jones. They brought in Chad baker Mazzara who can shoot Cheney Johnson was pretty good shooter at the at the at UAH. We'll see how that translates. It's just so hard. Uh, he to me might even be a bigger unknown than any freshman walking into the building, even though there's only one this year. Um, just because it's so hard to know how that's going to translate. Um, and and without having watched a lot, without you know knowing that that there's still a, a higher grade of athlete here, it, it's just hard. To, to project that it might be that he can average 10 points a game as like the top forward off the bench. And it might be awesome. It might be that he shoots 35% from the floor because the athleticism and length are a bit overwhelming. I don't know. Um, so I wouldn't mind someone if you were not getting another shooter, someone that could give you minutes at the four or five, which is what Tom's kind of alluding to with Dylan Cardwell as somebody who, like on a personal morale standpoint is awesome. Everybody loves him from the personality, the energy he brings, but from a productivity standpoint, you can do better. Even as a, as a backup center, you can do better right. there. Uh, again, it's hard to talk about those type of things because it's, 
it's again, it's not at all personal. It, it Cardwell's awesome as a sure. as a as an energy guy, and it, the joy of him playing the game right. is again infectious and awesome. Um, but functionally, there are things that you would look for to get a little bit more reliability down low if Broom comes off. Now, look, Broom played like 27, 28 minutes a game last year. He's probably going up another minute or two. There's probably going to be around 30 minutes a game this year. So it's not like you're asking for a lot of minutes. But, you know, that that's why I'm not – you don't have to convince me it has to be a center or it has to be a wing. It just needs to be one of those two things. Um, Because you go small. Well, you're going small with guys like Chad Baker-Mazar. What's he, like 6'8", 6'9"? You know, like that's someone that can play a four, whether he's playing three or not. Um, Cardwell obviously is a body you can use at center. Um, if you went egregiously small, you'd have someone like Chaney Johnson or Baker Mazzara or someone Jalen at five. Uh, it would not be a great rebounding lineup, obviously, but it might. If, if those guys all do their job offensively, it might give the other team hell trying to defend those guys all out in the perimeter. It's kind of more of an NBA concept right. to, to play that way, but it's something that Auburn might have the option of doing in a pinch now that Broom is back, it just if foul trouble or something like that. So I can see the argument for a backup big. I can see the argument for another three, another wing guy. Because, again, reminder, this team was 320th. 320th in three-point percentage last year. It was not good. Uh, it was That's not, not a Bruce Pearl team. No, it's not right. what he wants to do. Uh, he always empowers his guys to shoot the ball. Uh, he gives them great confidence. It's a great trait to have. But also when you're not shooting well, they're not going to turn it all the way off. They, they did a pretty good job last year of, of, of shooting that 15-16 range where they didn't just do it all game right. regardless. But still, I, I think the best version of a Bruce Pearl offense makes threes. And it makes them in transition. Right. It's kind of the demoralizing, if you're the opponent type of threes, that make opposing crowds groan, that make the opposing team call timeout. They get your crowd all jacked up. You know, that, that sort of three is not been there as much recently when you're just not hitting them. But... Uh, Bruce Pearl teams traditionally, they just they get out, they can run so well. They admittedly have some problems in the half court. That's something that we've seen in almost every situation. The more a Bruce Pearl team slows down, the more trouble it has. You would hope that if you've got someone like Janai Broom who can score in the post, Jalen Williams who can score in the post, um, if you can get a creativity – a drive and score ability from one of these point guards, in particular Aiden Holloway, you might be able to to buck that trend. But I still want this team to be able to make threes in in key spots and be able to extend runs with the three ball. Um, so I I don't know where this team will shake out. Again, roster movement still going on to a degree. Um, Tyron Lawrence out of Vandy is is someone that's on the radar. Julian Phillips of Tennessee, someone on the radar. And oh, by the way, they're from SEC school, so that affects that school too. That affects that school's outlook too. If one of them decide to come back for whatever reason, I think Phillips is gone from Tennessee, but Lawrence I think still had Vandy as an option to return to. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out. We know teams like Alabama have recruited well. We know Arkansas has hit the portal hard. Uh, we also know today. 
piggybacking that Alan Flanagan's going to Ole Miss. That yeah. was announced just before the show. Um, not surprising you guys were on that the whole way. I was just – I just posed questions. I didn't really commit to an opinion. I, I uh, understood it was likely, but I didn't know. I, I again, don't – know everything personally but clearly that relationship with his father is just is is awesome and and look what what chris beard is doing overhauling the Ole miss roster not too dissimilar from dion in colorado i know dion's so egregious because of the sheer number of it but just in terms of flipping a roster that was not very good pretty quickly uh old miss has has done that and, and chris beard obviously has a a, a good record um, at, a, at a high level of, of doing a good job, both at Texas and Texas Tech. So uh, the SEC will be interesting, again, but the big news with Janiah Broom for Auburn coming back, uh, I still think they could use one more scholarship on a portal guy, uh, but we'll have to wait and see how how they decide to use it and uh, who might be available to them after tomorrow, when is, which is, of course, the deadline to get your name out of the NBA draft. We're going to take our next time out. More sports call right after this. Call has been on the air since 1995. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-341 locally or toll free, one 9 tiger 9 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, the first thing that I'm going to actually talk about is the uh, Eastern Conference Finals over uh, last night and uh, some takeaways I saw from the game. Uh, one takeaway is uh, Jason Tatum. He actually uh, twisted his ankle, and um, I don't know why they wanted him out of the game last night. I, I just don't. I, I just don't know why they wanted him out. I mean, Jason Tatum, he's a really good player for the Boston Celtics, but he should have. You know, he should have stayed in the game, you know, whether he was injured or not. You know, I mean, why would they want to, you know, rule out an injury, you know, on a player like that? Yeah, well, so he ended up – he kept playing. I mean, they did take him out a couple times just to give him a break, but uh, Tatum did end up playing 42 minutes of the 48 minutes. So they didn't didn't take him completely out of the game despite the – Despite the injury, which was very unfortunate, I mean, it happened on literally the first possession of the game, uh, and it kind of set the tone for the night. But yeah, no, Tatum still he didn't play, didn't have a great game, but he he kept playing through that injury. Yes, because I know I uh, I was watching that game, and uh, when the commentator said that Jason Tatum at the top of the uh, 
you know, tip-off show, they were saying that Jason Tatum was going to get hurt. And then when the game actually started, then things started to look a little, a little off balance for the, for the Celtics. You know, I thought the Celtics were going to win because they were favored to win that game last night. You, you said the uh, tip-off show predicted Jason Tatum to get hurt. Yes, that's what they were. That's what they were saying. I'm interesting. I, I I would have had to go back and listen to it. I, I I've never really heard someone predicted injury, so that would be a that would be a first. Yeah, because when when they do these uh, games, like in the NFL or in the NBA or any kind of sport, they would uh, they would talk about like the key injuries and what's going to happen, and then once the game starts, then you'll see what they actually said during that opening uh, game uh, summary as well. Yeah, maybe they were just talking about the players that were already injured, like Malcolm Brogdon and who was trying to play through an injury, and and uh, then Tyler Hero for Miami who had been injured and, and couldn't play. I think usually you're talking about uh, in the pregame the injuries that already exist, not kind of predicting injuries that, that might or might not happen. Yeah, and then uh, with Jason Tatum, I, I was – you know, looking at the replay, and I saw Jason Tatum's leg actually twist, but I looked away because I know that was very painful for me to watch as well. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely a disappointing uh, play for Tatum and for Boston to get injured like that again. He played through it, but uh, obviously was not himself. Yeah, so I'll just have to see if, um, you know, with Boston eliminated, I'll probably see them coming back in the 2024 um, NBA Finals as well. But I just wanted to know, um, where all these teams that been eliminated, uh, I want to see where some of these players from these teams are actually going to be going during the offseason when, when uh, the NBA is said and done for this year, I mean, for this season as well. Yeah, and uh, we'll start to find that out here in a few weeks. The NBA draft comes up right after the NBA Finals. There'll be free agency at the 1st of July. So it'll only be about a month from now where, where players will start to switch teams. Yes, because when, um, when the NBA draft comes in in July, I'm looking at uh, – I'm thinking Janiah Broom is actually in the draft uh, comment. No, no, we've uh, we've been talking about it earlier today. He he got his name out of the draft yesterday, so he's coming back to Auburn. Okay, so who who do you think that would uh, play in the NBA draft? Uh, who would be going to the NBA draft from Auburn as well? That will be looking on on the uh, draft board uh, radar as well. Yeah, no, no one from Auburn is going to get drafted. I know Wendell Green Jr. Uh, put his name in, but but he won't get drafted. He'll be in the in the G League somewhere. Uh, next year, so so no one from Auburn will be drafted this year. Okay, so I'll just have to wait for uh, Green to actually uh, put his. Well, I know his his name has already been mentioning in the G League, so I'm just going to see when the G League actually has their draft and uh, seeing uh, what teams would uh, actually pick him up because I think he's a really good player. And the only thing that I'm looking at would be. Uh, my Texas legend, and uh, seeing if we need him as well. So I think he'll be a really good fit uh, for tech, for the Texas legends, the affiliate of the Dallas Mavericks. So I think Dallas uh, really needs him as well. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, we we figure he'll get some opportunity at some point with one of those G League teams, but we'll we'll, we'll find that out later.
Yes. And then with the uh, baseball game that's going to be played today between Auburn and Penn, I think Auburn would win uh, this game as well. So I know it's a regional for us, and I think this this will be a really uh, historic regional uh, tournament that Auburn has played many times at home. And um, I know it's a sold-out crowd, and I know we're going to win it, and I'm going to be listening to this game and seeing – Hearing some great, uh, you know, play by play from some of the great, uh, callers that are going to be calling this game. I don't know who's going to be on, on call for this game in Plainsman Park. Yeah. So, uh, a couple things. So, uh, this, uh, Auburn and Penn game in baseball will be Friday night. So, so not yet. Uh, it'll be a little bit later this week. Then Auburn mm-hmm. will play again Saturday and then likely Sunday. Um, as far as who's broadcasting it on the Auburn Sports Network on radio and, and through the uh, through our app, and then through the Auburn Tigers app, it'll be Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, as well as Brad Law. Okay, because I've um, I've heard uh, Andy Bertram's voice, and I love the great job what he's doing with everything at Auburn and Brad Law. He's um, a really good guy. Um, you know, he he's always doing uh, commentary for baseball. I've heard him doing baseball commentary, softball commentator uh soccer commentator one time and um maybe i've heard him actually doing uh some few games for the auburn football uh commentating from time to time as well yeah he's not the the main broadcaster for that but he does have a role uh in the coverage of of, of football and then he certainly he used to do softball a few years ago he now uh, he, he does some basketball at times, and uh, he kind of does a bunch of different things. Yeah, so, um, well, actually, I'm very disappointed with my Dallas Stars last night. We were supposed to win game six, but it wasn't it wasn't our time. I guess the ice was really cold for us, and uh, we got eliminated. So I, I just have to see um when the national hockey league draft will come in and uh seeing who we're going to pick for next year's uh dallas stars yeah it was a rough one for the stars last night they got they got six put on them uh vegas was or dallas was trying to come back from down 3-0 but unfortunately uh got pummeled there in game six do you you have a preference on who wins the final between the las vegas golden knights and the florida panthers um I will have to take. Oh, I really don't want to make any Dallas fans and in the Dallas Stars nation mad at me. But I'll just have to say, I'll go with this one. Uh, these are two great teams on paper. Got great history between two of them. I'll probably take the Florida Panthers winning this one in Game Seven as well, taking it all the way to seven games in the Stanley Cup playoffs and winning. Uh, the trophy as well and bringing it to florida for the first time ever yeah that would uh that would be a a good series if it goes seven games Uh, again uh the panthers were an eight seed kind of like the miami heat so it was very shocking that florida has done what they did and then las vegas was was one of the better teams in the western conference but uh i forgot to ask you who do you got in the nba finals who do you want to win oh man these are two great teams uh just like i said before last week uh, these are really two great historic teams on paper. I'll probably say I'll take the Miami Heat seven games as well, and I'll 
pick my MVP for this one, I'll probably pick uh, it's so many great MVP players, but I'll just have to go with I don't know any any NBA players for the Miami Heat as well. Well, uh, I mean, you could go Jimmy Butler, who won the uh, Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Caleb Martin had a great series. They've also got Bam Adebayo, who's a really good player. Um, I'll probably say for my MVP, I'll go with Abayo. I'll go with uh, Jason Abayo because I think Jason, I think this is his year of winning it. He looks like an MVP uh, candidate. So I, I just probably see if he's going to get that get that uh, small award for him as well. Yeah, Bam Bam Adebayo for uh, for the Heat. That that would be a good one. I, I think this will be a, a. I hope it's a long series. I know you've got Heat and seven, uh, and I, I certainly hope it goes uh, at least to five or six. I don't want to sweep or anything like that, but uh, uh, it, it should be a fun one. Yes, that's well. And then with the uh, college football season right around the corner, um, I'm looking at some. Uh, some great games for week zero, um, seeing some key matchups, seeing some uh, rivalry games might make a comeback. Uh, um, I'm actually looking at some good uh, good college football games just coming up fall and uh, seeing who, who I would pick for uh, the road to Atlanta. So I'm looking at I'm looking at Tennessee because I think Tennessee this year, they're going to look like the Tennessee uh, team that I'm looking for when they play against Alabama. So I think when they play at home against Alabama, I think Tennessee is going to, they're really going to win. They're really going to, you know, they're really got, they really got a good quarterback in Tennessee. They got a really great kicker and, you know, this is going to be the tough test for Alabama to actually make um, a first score in the in the 2023 uh, college football series. So I think Tennessee would take that first uh, game in week zero as well. Yeah, that one's the third Saturday of October. That's the the name mm-hmm. of the rivalry. So that they'll be playing that one in in October, um, and that one will be in Tuscaloosa this year since Tennessee won in Knoxville last year. There is one SEC team playing on week zero, though, at the end of August, and that is Vanderbilt. They're playing Hawaii. Yeah, so when that game, uh, I looked at that game at, on, on week zero schedule, and uh, these two teams I've actually seen play before. I've had, uh, I was on Vanderbilt side one year, and then I was on Hawaii side the next season. So this year I will be on Hawaii side because I think Hawaii has a really uh, strong history, and um, you know they they're really going to bring a lot of that Hawaiian uh, flavor to Vanderbilt. So I think Hawaii would win this one as well. Do you like pineapples, James? I love pineapples. I love pine anything that's on pineapples. Pineapple. Uh, Roasted pineapples, uh, pineapple pizza, pineapple juice. I, I just love pineapples in general. Okay, I got you. Just just had to know their final thoughts for us today before we got to let you go. Um, well, my final thought for today was uh, yesterday was uh, Memorial Day weekend, and I just wanted to tell all of the brave men and women out there, thank you for your service, thank you for your bravery, and uh, keep uh, keeping this beautiful country safe and keep doing what y'all are doing 
uh, and I love, you know, I love their service and, um, it, it's, it's a really, uh, tough thing that they're doing. They have tough skin as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And Warrior Goal, and I'll probably, uh, send some, uh, good trivia for tomorrow as well. Yeah. What kind of trivia do you want tomorrow? Um, I'll probably take the NBA Finals trivia, like the history of the NBA Finals. Awesome. I, I love the NBA. We'll give you some NBA Finals trivia tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle, James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. A lot more ahead, including an update from SEC Spring Meetings. Uh, some more talk of the Atlanta Braves. Also, a little bit of a finals preview, I guess, or maybe a review of last night's Eastern Conference Finals. That's probably going to be in hour number three. Stay tuned. More sports call coming up after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Appreciate James from Montgomery. Calling into the Auburn Bank phone line. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's lead off our number two with an update uh, from Destin, the SEC spring meetings. Not too much happening yet, although they did begin today. But if you're following along with some of uh, the, the national beat writers who are there, the likes of Brandon Marcello, Ross Stellinger, and company, uh, they have begun interviewing coaches and some quotes, uh, some te- some coaches revealing what side of the equation they're on. I know that Eli Drinkwitz of Missouri may be one of the more surprising that's unfa- in favor of the nine-game model. Uh, there was reports last night that suggested that, based off comments from Greg Sankey, his clear preference is nine games. Um, it... it you know, it's ultimately uh, got to be put to a vote, but I think it's clear that Sankey wants to usher everyone in the direction of nine games. He did talk about the money aspect of it, but he said that I think the quote was money follows, it doesn't lead. So I think his stance is, yeah, they're not promising us more ahead of time, but if we do this ninth game, 
we present a great product, then more money will come in, that, that sort of line of thinking. So it looks like it's about split. It looks like there it is a, it's about seven or so teams in favor of nine as of right now. And there's not a clear count on the rest of the teams. And also, I guess it's unknown if Oklahoma or Texas, where they stand, because I I don't think they can vote this year. They are there. They have representatives. They get a word in. But I don't think they have an official vote yet. I could be wrong on that. Double check. Um, You know, Nick Saban was interviewed. He... It didn't seem clear to me whether he was in favor of eight or nine. We we mentioned yesterday that he had been in not in favor of nine for a long time, and then all of a sudden there was reports that he was no longer in favor of that due to uh, what uh, what Alabama was given. I think he cited a more of a, a non-committal answer, citing that he believed it should have been nine in the past because they had trouble. He said uh, scheduling. Um, I guess big time non-conference teams that wanted to play Alabama um, not wanting to get their brains beaten in Um, and now he says that that's not necessarily the case so I I I don't know um, how much I buy into that but regardless that's the big story Kirby Smart was also interviewed today Um, (laughs) uh, that guy um as or as great of a coach he is, he is not uh, there to um, puff piece anybody. He's he's going to rumple some feathers if he needs to. He called it the most overrated conversation in years. Uh, <laughs> dude, this fundamentally changes how the conference operates. Yeah. It's not an overrated conversation. And I'm sure his mentality is we're going to beat whoever we play. Great. Awesome for Kirby Smart. Um, and awesome for Georgia, but I guarantee you, you're not going to be happy if it if your three rotating teams are like Alabama, Florida, and Oklahoma or something. Yeah. I guarantee you, you're not <laughs> it's not going to feel overrated at that point. Um, and, and so, regardless of his comments, this is a big deal. the 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 notion was floated out yesterday that um, there could only be a temporary solution that there could be eight games for a year possibly a few years and then it could go up to nine i don't know um again just so you can plant your flag guys where do you stand on what you what you want to see happen out of this i think that i what i would like to see is i would like to see and in, in a perfect world, an eight-game conference schedule, but you make the caveat as well that you cannot schedule FCS opponents. Like you've got to schedule an FBS team. You, your your non-conference games, you got to schedule an FBS team. I don't care if it's a lower down one. You you can't. You, I know you know some, on on some level you you know or on a big level you're helping some of the FCS programs by it's a by game they come here. Uh, you know, this year Auburn's going to host Samford. They're paying Samford to come here and play them. But you know, you you see, you know, I think that it, it helps you, and it helps you know if, if you're looking at it as you know. I think some someone said uh, at the at the uh, media days today, you got to you know what what it's going to look like. I think it may have been uh, Hugh Freeze that said you got to know what the playoff committee is going to look at and is going to and is going to give you because if you're you know, say, let's say, you know, you go to nine games, and I know this isn't going to be for everybody, but say you go to nine games, 
and your ninth SEC game is Vanderbilt. You know, say say you've got Auburn's schedule last year. You know, you got Missouri as the, your other your, but your ninth game is Vanderbilt. But then you go to an eight game schedule and you've got two big games. Say, or you've got two games. Say you you play, you know, Penn State, and then you schedule. You know, who else did Auburn play last year? San Jose State. Um, uh, who who else did Auburn play last year? Uh, they played Penn State, San Jose State. Who else was in, in the uh, non-conference? Western, Western Kentucky. And who was the who? There was an FCS opponent, wasn't there? Uh, was it Alabama State last year? Or was it Mercer? I don't know. Mercer. It was Mercer. Yeah, okay, Mercer. Yeah. So instead of playing Mercer, you play, I don't know, Utah State or Boise State or some, one of the better group of five schools. Is uh, you, you have to see what the committee would value more. Was that ninth conference game versus Vanderbilt or a uh, that uh, fourth at a conference game against a Boise State or a UCF? And, you know, they're, they're power five now, but going last year. Or a Cincinnati or someone. I, I think that uh, I like the eight game conference slate. I like I like more. This is just me being you know a, just a fan of different of different games. Ryan knows this. I I love to go to see Auburn play all the weird teams. I, I've I've seen Auburn play you know Alabama and LSU and and folks like that. And you know those are always great games and they're fun and they're you know great atmospheres. They're the best atmospheres. Um, but I always love the weird games. And so if you if you said we're doing eight games. Eight conference games, but you have to, you cannot schedule an FCS team for that other. You have to schedule all FBS schools for a uh, for your non conference. I, I like that. Otherwise, if you're if you're going to say, hey, you can still schedule FCS, I would be in favor of going to nine because you you got to you know the the FCS games are you know fun to, to support the pro the the smaller programs in the sport, and I, I fully agree with supporting those smaller programs, but. You you gotta make your you've gotta make your schedule more challenging. I mean you've gotta make you've gotta prove that you're you know you Auburn or the SEC has proven that they're the best conference. But you know every year you get you hear people from the Big Twelve, the Big Ten complaining. Well, Alabama's and Auburn is taking breaks in the middle of their year to play this you know this cupcake week. All the national pundits they pull out cupcake week every single year, right toward the end of the year when all the SEC teams pull up you know Samfords and Mercers and such. And so I think you need to get away from that. Is so if you're if you're going to say, hey, you can still schedule these teams, go to nine conference games and say, hey, we're playing nine conference games just like y'all, uh, or you keep it at eight and you say you have to schedule FBS opponents. Just a rerun, Tom. You, you yeah, I mean, I, it, it really is. I, you know, I, I'm one of those. I, I really see both sides of it. I, I see the pros and cons of both of it. Uh, I, I don't like, you know, as far as, like, big schools playing FCS schools, uh, you know, the ones that complain about that, their schools in their conference will do the exact same thing, and there's times that they do the exact same thing. They just they want to point out the SEC and go, oh, well, you played Citadel. It's like, well, yeah, okay, well, you also played Towson or something. <laughs> you know, so uh, while those games are definitely not beneficial – to you in the long run they are beneficial for you to uh as a team there are benefits that come to playing those games uh as far as yeah it's a win most of the times it's going to be an easy win it's one of those games that gives you time to get some new guys on the field and, and so there's the positives there it's also a positive for those little schools to go and and play the big schools because a it's a payday but it's also 
an experience for those guys to be able to do that. So I don't think I ever want to get in a situation where it's like you can't do those games anymore. Now, if you do them, you do them with the understanding that obviously, well, as it has been in the past, that it's not going to help your strength of schedule. If you want, if you want to, if you want to go and play Samford, or if you want to play the HBCU schools or whatever, and, and pay them money to come in here and. And that's fine, but you have to understand that it's going to ultimately hurt you when it comes to on down the road. So then it's up to you whether you want to do that or not. I, I, so I think that scheduling it should be still just be left up to the schools, not uh, not a, a requirement of you can't schedule these guys. So that would be my only thing with that is to don't don't sit there and tell a school you can't do this, you can't schedule team, you know. Team XYZ from whatever. Um, as far as an eight game or a nine game, man, I I, I really don't care. I, like I said, I see kind of both. I, I see the I see the good and bad of both, and I I think ultimately it's I I don't want to say it's not that big of a deal because I mean it really is. I almost sound like Kirby Smart because I mean it is the you know what's going to happen with the SEC, but you know. If you add another SEC game, you're still going to have the other games that you have to play. If you just play one less, then you're going to have another non-conference. I prefer personally to be able to have the the better non-conference games. Like he was talking about, like Brooks was talking about with the Auburn playing Penn State or Auburn playing Cal or playing Southern Cal or or those. I like those. And so if if having an eight-game SEC schedule means that you get more of that, then that's what I want. If nine means that you can't do that, then I then I'm not for that. And let me let me sound like an SEC biased person here. The SEC doesn't need nine conference games. No, the Big Ten needs nine conference games because their bottom half of the Big Ten is not as good as the bottom half of the SEC. The SEC is is a conference that you can go in eight games a year and you're going to get tested. Maybe you know. Maybe not that eighth game, but seven out of the eight weeks. If you're if you're playing Vanderbilt, if you're playing you know a, a down you know Missouri team, they've been down you know past couple years. If if you're playing like the bottom team, then you know seven out of your eight games. But most of the time, all eight of your games, you're going into that week and you're going to get tested. And even if you know even some of those bottom teams, you go on the road, you're going to get tested on the road. Uh, you, you look at you know a, a couple years ago Auburn went on the road to to South Carolina a South Carolina team that probably didn't have much business beating Auburn Auburn went up there and they they beat them and you know there was there was different circumstances underneath it but you know it it probably that South Carolina team a couple years ago probably didn't was, was not as good as the, that Auburn team talent wise and they they beat them and they were on the road at Williams Bryce Stadium so it just you know just to sound like the SEC biased and I'm, I'm going to let that come out here a little bit because we are an SEC radio show we we are you know there's 9 out of 10 people that listen to us are SEC football fans and the the SEC for standing especially in the playoff committee's eyes doesn't need a 9 game conference schedule other conferences do need it because their their bottom half of their conferences aren't as good and so you, you don't really need it. it it's mainly for getting more eyes on your product so tom you you would rather have another big non-conference matchup than the second rivalry. Right. So you would rather, if you're Auburn, play someone like Penn State yep. than play Georgia. You would rather, yep. uh, oh, you know, 
you'd rather Texas A&M and Texas not played rather than Texas play someone else out of conference A&M play out of conference. Well, and, and, well, I mean, but I, yeah, but see, I mean, the thing is, I, I, I think you're still going to have uh, the the rivalry game. I think it's going to be set up enough to where you're still going to have Texas and Texas A&M are still going to play each other. That's I, not their biggest rival. They wouldn't play. I, I thought that would be I, Texas and Oklahoma. Well, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma. But I mean, you're still going to get the Texas, Texas A and M every other year. Well, sure, every other year. Yeah, which is fine. See, I don't. I I don't think it's fine. You I, you want that to be every year? Yeah, I well, I think there are rivalries. Just, yeah, but they've gone this they've gone this long without even playing each other at all. Sure, that's one instance. But I'm talking about just any of these secondary rivalries, right? Like. I, again, I'm surprised for you to say you don't care for Auburn and Georgia to play every year. I know it will happen every other year, and yeah, there will be some some returns there of okay, well, it'll make it mean a little bit more than it was. But I still think those those teams should play every year. Well, so why, period. But that so if you have the eight games, if you have an eight game schedule, then that means that Auburn would not be able to play Georgia every year. No, because it'd be one common opponent. And then it'd be seven rotating because the you're going to play everyone in the league every other year. Okay. So if you only play eight games, it can only be one constant opponent, and then there will be seven rotating opponents. That's how you get to play everyone in a two-year span. If it's nine games, then you'll have three constant opponents, and you'll have six rotating. Okay. See, and I, I haven't even. That's the thing is I haven't thought of it that way. Um. <laughs> Like I said, I, I see both sides of it. I mean, part of me, I, I, you know, with the eight, as long as it's like, as long as you have the Iron Bowl, that's fine. If you sacrifice Georgia, okay, that still burns because you still want to be able to see that South's oldest rivalry. Yeah, and like I personally, but but the thing is, I mean, it's one of those. Do you have to make these sacrifices when you start expanding this conference like this? I mean, are you going to just all? Do you have to have the understanding that sometimes you're going to lose some of these rivalries? So, but you see, I don't feel like we should accept that. That's a part of college sports. Right. But, but well, but the other thing though, the other thing is you're you know, we're we're talking about that, but not everybody has two big sure. time rivalries like that. And so, you know, I mean, with with Alabama. You've got the Iron Bowl and you've got Tennessee, <clears throat> the Tennessee game. Sure, or in Alabama LSU, which is important too. Well, well, but see, but that's again. So I mean, you're. But either way, you're going to have to lose right. one of those. Maybe, maybe not. Well, may, well yeah. right. But the proposed three is those three yeah. for so, Alabama. Okay, but but I'm just saying that. All right, but but then LSU, you know, what Texas A and M or or Arkansas the boot. Yeah, I mean Ar- that one's a, a good one. You know, yeah, but I mean, is it it in the pantheon of no of but rivalries? There's a, there's there's it, going to be rivalries that have to be below other rivalries. It doesn't sure. mean it doesn't mean something to those fan bases. Right. Do you think Arkansas people care? Absolutely, they yeah. care a lot. Well, and what and, and so for South Carolina, obviously, their biggest rival is is an out of conference, right? I mean, South Carolina, Georgia. I mean, that okay, they 
Sure. They've, had, they've few, had some time. There's but, a few teams, sure, right. that don't have a big second rivalry. So that means the teams that actually do and actually have some history should cave to the teams that don't have history. Well, well I'm just saying, though, when it, when you start kind of looking at that whole thing, I mean, I, I know we, we can look at it from our standpoint of that. We want to, you know, keep that. But, I, you know, what, what are the alternatives, I guess? Uh, that's what I'm saying, and that's why I'm. I'm. I'm yeah, I'm, nothing's I'm perfect yeah. here. Oh no, I know. That's why I'm completely fence riding on this because I don't have a strong stand on either one. I like I said, I see positives of both. I see the negatives of both. Um, well, you're gonna you're gonna have to sacrifice something one way or the other. Either you sacrifice, either you sacrifice a secondary rivalry, or even for some would be a main rivalry, especially like if Auburn and Georgia. You know, you grew up in Columbus, Georgia, and I mean that's the rivalry. Do you sacrifice that, or do you sacrifice really good non-conference games? So, so you're going to have to give up something. And and I still prefer to maintain the rivalries because, look the 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 non-conference stuff can be cool, but let's look at the last ten or twenty years, okay? Just just look at recent history. Are you satisfied with everyone's ability to get a good non-conference game the last 10 to 15 years? Do you feel that every team in the league that matters is doing a good job of that? Well, no, and, that, and that's so also So why a would they then all of a sudden do a good job right. of that? Well, yeah. I know. And I like, like a few teams have. Like Alabama has definitely tried. Oh. Sometimes the teams they play end up having horrible years that year, but they played right. big programs. Georgia – has a bunch scheduled for the, like the next decade. They they have a whole row of them. Right. And, and we talked about yesterday that part of the issue. And look, I'm down to talk about the issues. I just think that the reason w- the argument for nine is is the rivalry deal. And it was one of the arguments is is the rivalry deal. We talked about some of the other issues yesterday, though. Teams having to rip up some non conference contracts with some teams already because some teams have a full four-game slate for the next few years, that's a real issue. That is something that they have to consider, uh, how they're going to get rid of that or if they should get rid of that. Um, and that might be why the temporary deal, the why they end up doing temporary eight with the intention of going nine, it would be to protect – look, they're not big games, but to protect those contracts, you don't have to rip them up because it costs something to play them. It costs even more to rip up those contracts. Um, the deal about the playoff committee – which would be the most relevant, I think, to the big teams. Brooks's point there is, I'm not, I'm not judge, jury here, so I'm, who am I to say it's a good point? But are point, you an executioner? But, well, I'm not, never going to execute you. Okay. Um, but I think it's a very important point because with this new format, we operate under the assumption that there'll be like five SEC teams in every year. Right. Four or five. Um, you know, you, you've got to have six different conferences represented, and then it's a free-for-all for the next six spots. So you've got one plus six openings, and we figure the SEC is going to get like three of those on a on an annual year, maybe even four if they have a huge year. Well, what if they what if they start doing this and they're only getting two or three teams in? Are they going to be that happy about that? And if not, what are they going to do to change it? And and why are they not getting those two or three teams in? Um, are they not getting those teams in because they're beating each other up and they're down to three and four losses and the committee's not down for a nine and three team in there? 
Or does the SEC get the respect of being the best conference in college football? And it lets some 9-3 and three teams in on occasion. Because I think you're talking about something important there where if you're going to be able to lose certainly twice, but maybe even three times, why are you so, – well, I mean, and this is not to you, Tom Peavy. This is what to you as in the schools that are big right. and competing for playoffs. Loss. Why are you so worried about a difficult schedule? If you're, if you're noted for having a tough schedule – then your nine and three will be better than the Pac-12's ten and two. Your nine and three will be better than the ACC's ten and two. Hell, if the Pac-12 falls apart, your your nine and three will be better than their eleven and one. If 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 not only USC and UCLA leave, if Oregon or, or Washington left, are, are you, you're going to start treat that league like a group of five league? So then you're saying is a nine and three SEC over an eleven and one conference USA or AAC? Yeah. It is going to be, I, I think, with, with the robust schedules they'll have. So you've got to think about, does the extra difficult game, which could cause an extra loss, does it, though, give you still the opportunity to have such a tough schedule that it doesn't matter that you had that one extra loss because you had one or two extra tough games if you did play a ninth SEC game and you did still have a big non-conference game? How the committee judges that those extra lost teams, not teams on the same record-wise, because the SEC will win those battles. The SEC, a ten and two SEC team is getting in over a ten and two team from any other conference, an eleven and one, and so on and so forth. But what happens to nine and three teams versus ten and two teams? That will be what fuels, in my opinion, the validity to nope, got to stay at eight. Don't want that extra loss. Got to keep it right here. Or, oh, we can be 9-3. and three. We're going to be okay. Sure. Here's 9 plus a big Power 5 non-conference game. See what I'm saying there in, in yeah. terms of – I can't believe I'm saying this because I want it now. I can, I'm a consumer. I consume things. I want the answers now. The temporary thing might actually be smart. No. I yesterday I on this very show, I hope some people were listening yesterday and today, or on the podcast. I said I didn't like that. We're twenty four hours later. I made it a whole day <laughs> before I changed my mind on that. I've been concrete on nine. I'm not changing on nine. You can't take me off nine. That's why I passionately defended it a moment ago. But you can now talk me into waiting a year or two to see. Right. Now the argument yesterday, again recapping for everyone because not everyone listens every day, is yesterday the problem I had with it was someone's just going to get a screwy one-year deal. Right. Someone's going to have one year of playing some BS, and then they'll start a new rotation, and they'll be like, what was that? They'll be like, ah, sorry, one-year deal. It's kind of like Arkansas in 2020. It's the, the good example of that, where they just had to pick up Georgia, and they're obviously already in the West. It's just like, well, this is just not fun. And you know what? You're right. It's, it's not fun. Someone has to do it. So that was my deal with that. But that unknown of how playoff selection, which matters it matters to probably 11 schools in the league, at least seven or eight, because it's not about 11 schools are historically a playoff caliber team, but it's about 10 or 11 schools think they can one day get to a playoff. Like Vandy's under no loot. Vandy's out there to just compete. 
I mean, and the I mean, they're just going to compete. Clark Lee know? is building the best program in the country. How dare you? Well, according to Vandy, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're just out there. Missouri, not much direction behind Missouri. Maybe throw one or two more in. Like Kentucky realizes its limitations. They even bicker over if it's a basketball school or football school. With the limitations the are called the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they have issues too. But if you look at it from anyone else's perspective, remember we're moving the goalposts here and what's required. You won't have to make top four. Can Arkansas make top four? No, not really. Maybe one out of 50 years. Can they make top 12? Sure. Maybe a couple times a decade. Sure. Can Ole Miss make top four? Not unless Archie Manning's there. But can they make top 12? Yeah, they already did it with Lane Kiffin. So my point is the 12-team deal is important to not just Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Auburn, Florida, whoever. It's also important to those schools that have the random great years. That for seven years out of ten, they're not much. One year, they're awful. One year, they're okay. And the other year, they're they're awesome. Those type of teams now have a vested interest in this because, well, I mean, those teams have proven in various years they can make a top 12. It didn't mean to be 11th last year didn't get you much. Maybe got you a little better bowl game than being 20th. But in the future, 11th will get you a whole lot, as a matter of fact. Yep. So... That's a long spiel. Any more thoughts before we go to break on if what I just said made sense, on if you have a determining factor? Are you okay with the temporary thing if we have to do that for a couple years and, and figure this out? I'm okay with the temporary thing because you you look at <clears throat> I just went through I, I went through uh, Auburn's future schedules and even if you just did it for one year because next year Auburn's already got three of their non-conference games figured out. They don't have that fourth one, but you you know next year I think is also like the last year of the rotation where Florida comes to Auburn and then you you would hit that point where you no longer knew you know you had to flip flip the script back over and come up with a new deal. So I like it anyway. Now you're going to figure out Texas and Oklahoma schedule. That's the problem. Bears will be goofy. Is you're you're going to have to figure out what they do. Um, but after next year, I, I looked at it and I don't think. Any year going forward, Auburn has more than two non-conference games already figured out on on their schedule. Most of them, you know, you get on into like the twenty twenty sixth and up. It's just one, and it's one of those big, you know, it's like Baylor or UCLA or or Miami going forward. Um, but I, I think once you hit that, I I don't know how many, you know, that's just Auburn. I don't know what the rest of the SEC, but I would be hard pressed to say that every other SEC team starting in twenty twenty five has four games already figured out. And so I think if you you give it a year. 20, let 2024 play out, do something wonky with with uh, Oklahoma and Texas, and then you hit 2025, and you're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And then that's when you set your set the schedule. We're going to go to our next timeout right now. I don't know what we'll come back with because you, I'm going to give you guys another deal here while we're at break. Is it a big deal? No. Is it a little deal? <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. Um, so it's no big deal. And – I'm going to give you guys another way of talking about this and see if you guys want to talk about it this way. I can't speak Spanish. So, all right, Brooks's mic's done for the next 40 seconds. Um, so I don't know if you guys will want to talk about it from this angle or not. So we might come back with even more scheduled talk or we'll move on. Find out, though, after this break. This is Sports Call on this Tuesday edition, Tiger 95.9. 
please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress. I've been talked out of another segment of Schedule Talk. Uh, my my co-hosts today are, are done um, with that. I'd like to like I like to take a step back and say, let's do it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow about that. It might come up again tomorrow because, again, it is happening at the spring meetings. The last thing we'll say, Brandon Marcello, just a moment ago, Whether will there be a vote on SEC scheduling model this week after the first set of meetings? One AD believes it's still to be determined. ADs met separately from coaches today. ADs coaches compare notes tomorrow. Presidents arrive Thursday. More clarity if there will be a vote Wednesday. So now, even though uh, I mean it has been uh, said over and over that there will be a vote, now who knows? I don't know. So we will move on uh, from this point. On to another thing that you guys will be very excited to talk about. Braves losing to Oakland last night. (laughs) Be careful what you wish for. I'm just kidding. Um, Soroka was good early. He then got hit in the fifth. And uh, Braves did not ever get the bats going. So they dropped a game to Oakland. Not many have this year. I did look. Some other notable teams to lose a game this year to Oakland. Uh, Texas Rangers, of course, that's a divisional opponent, but Texas is 34-19. I, I don't know if anyone's aware that Texas right. has uh, the second-best record in Major League Baseball. So it happens. Uh, it does happen. Uh, also, the Angels dropped the game uh, to them, and there was one other notable team, but I, uh, Arizona Dimax. Dimax 31-23. They're just a game by the Braves. So right. it does happen. Uh, <laughs> hopefully it does not happen again, or then there will be even more strife. Um <laughs> Braves still struggling with injuries. This is now the exact third point of the season, or eight, they played a third, 32-24. and 24. That is 96-win pace because we just times 32 by three, and then we get there. Uh, so your thoughts about this team, they maintain they've had about a four to six to seven game lead for a while now. It's four right now with Miami, five over New York, six and a half over Philly. Uh, teams obviously the last two weeks not playing as well. Right. Uh, some of these injuries have something to do with that. But again, what uh, what have you thought about this team? What do they need to improve on? Uh, I, I mean, really, I mean that. Well, you got to get guys healthy. I mean, that's one of the big things. But I mean, just the the improve on. Uh, I one of the I guess the biggest area that I'd say of improvement right now has got to be the bullpen. They've got to step up. Um, 
and, and and get better at, at saving these games and and not letting other games get away from them. the offense has been doing its thing. Obviously, last night they weren't. I I'm not going to panic over that uh, A's game. I know I posted some stuff on social media. I was kind of cracking on the Braves. They they played it late night. We mentioned that they played the night game on Sunday. Got on a plane, flew, and then had to play immediately in Oakland. You're gonna have the jet lag and not have your legs up under you, and you know. And plus, you just came off a game that the bats were just so just red, scorching hot. It it happens, and so I'm not gonna panic over that one. But when you actually just talk about this team and what does need to improve, there needs to be some you know obviously some consistency on the offense. Um, with some of the guys, um, you've gotten some guys that have gotten hot. Azuna has gotten kind of hot. Um, Riley has finally started kind of coming on. But it, while these guys have come on, there's been some other guys that have kind of dropped off a little bit. So that consistency needs to get there. But as far as like the main thing to improve, it's just got to be the bullpen. I mean, that's the biggest area that the Braves have got to get better at right now. I would say, I was looking here, there are four guys in that Atlanta Braves bullpen with a plus five ERA. That's not good. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is you need to get some guys healthy. I think the you need to get your your starting pitching needs to get solidified. I, and one of the you know one of the big things to, for some of these ERAs in the bullpen is you're having you're throwing out a a bullpen game basically once a week now for the Braves because you, because you went down some some starting pitchers. Soroka is going to help uh, getting him back in the in the starting rotation as long as he can you know uh, make good strides. Um, he's he's going to be a, a helpful piece into that bullpen. That way, you're not going to have you know you may not have to do a bullpen game once a week, but you know it 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 really it one one piece of that bullpen that really really is, is upsetting that it's happened is AJ Minter. It, he was so good uh, past couple years, and then the Braves stuck him in that closer role this year, and he went downhill. And, and then as soon as uh, you got Iglesias back, and you said, "All right, we're taking him out of that role," you you were like, "Okay, maybe you know, fine, he's out of this closer role. Maybe he's going to get better." He really hasn't gotten that much better. Um, still sitting there with the seven thirteen ERA on the year, um, twenty five games pitched in. <coughs> Excuse me. I believe in you. Um, I, I think the bats are fine. Uh, you know, there, there's some there's certain guys that you know it, it, the Harris went cold for a little bit, but as, as basically as soon as he started going cold, Mar, uh, Ozuna got hot. So you you have guys that get hot and go cold. Everyone you know, uh, kind of in tandem with each other. I'm, I'm sure the Braves would like to get Orlando Arcia back to hitting at the same rate he was to start the year before he got injured. Um, but I, you know, I think the pitching staff as a whole is something that needs to get improved on. I think the bullpen needs to get those ERAs down, needs to pitch a little bit more consistently, and you need more stability in that starting rotation because you know there was a there was a point toward that end of May or toward the end of April, beginning of May, that it felt like every single Brave starter uh, they they tweak something or and you'd be you'd have to hold your breath when they before their next start and. Then, you know, I, I I really do think that um that, that it's a uh, it I'm I'm with Tom I'm with you but I'm I'm gonna go with pitching staff as a whole. Yeah, I think the pitch I I, I would be fine with it once they got healthy. I think yeah. their starting rotation yeah. is good. It's it's just a matter of health and it, it's hard, it's hard to knock the starting rotation when yeah. they've had so many injuries. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I say if you had right now Strider, Morton, Freed, 
um, right, and then Soroka or Elder. Oh, it'd be Elder. And yeah, so Elder right now. Though, Two the, something, you're right. So you've got a five, six-man rotation. That That's a solid rotation. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, th- there's there's no issue when healthy there. Uh, it is the bullpen um, mentor somebody that, as you alluded to, he, his ERA was an, is in the nines as a closer. So he's gotten in the sevens, but that's still awful. And in the month of May – uh, I think he still closed the first week or two, uh, week of May maybe. Uh, but even in May, it's still 5.56 ERA, which is just not good enough. Uh, last 15 days has been better. It's been the 3.60, but still not what he's capable of, and a long way to go uh, for him. Uh, there has, you know, Glazius blew one early, but again, he's worked back from injury. I think he'll be okay ultimately. Uh, Jesse Chavez has been awesome. Chavez, you just throw into any role, and he ends up being pretty good. But, you know, they've not gotten anything out of Joe Jimenez. He's uh, he's not reliable, in my opinion. I've, I feel like the four-something ERA is not even uh, doing that justice. Lucas Lukey's not had a big sample size, but he's been hit hard a couple times. Yeah, he's got a uh, 10 ERA. Yeah. Well, yeah, and again, you know, he – when you only pitch eight or nine times yeah. and nine and two thirds, yeah. then you give up four four spot in one inning. I think you have three the other night. Then that's going to balloon pretty quickly. So I think it is bullpen right now. Um, I, I don't have as much optimism that what they've got now is fixable. Like I don't think they're they're not getting the Kirby Yates that closed a few years ago. They're not getting that version of him anymore. He's older. He's had injuries. Um, they're not going to get a great version, a version I, I don't think, of, of Colin McHugh, uh, who's already had an injury this year. He's been fine. He's been one of their better relievers, but he's not been lights out by any means. No one has. And I do think that you're just going to some of these guys so often. Um, that's part of the product of starters not going deep anymore and managers not letting them do that. Talk about they've they've – been in 54 they played 54 games this year they've got mentor chavez anderson lee yates and jimenez has all pitched in 20 that means they've got again six guys on track to make at least 60 appearances and a couple of those guys in chavez and mentor with 25 appearances on track for 75 appearances almost half the games that they're asking these guys to pitch in and that feels like a lot. Um, offensively, you know, I still think they've been pretty pretty reliable overall. Acuna's off to a, a wonderful start. Uh, still not hitting just gobs of home runs, but he's doing everything else well. Um, I think for the year he's still at, what, nine or ten home runs, I think. Um, so, you know, about uh, he's at 11. So 33 home run pace. Pretty good. Um some of these other guys have, I think, power is clearly not a problem. The Braves have say, six guys that have at least 10 home runs Acuna, Riley, Albies, Olsen, Murphy, Ozuna have all hit at least 10. Uh, so they've got a lot of power up and down their order. And even someone, some of these other guys, Orlando Arce has hit 300 this year. Arce has been great. Uh, he's been, been great the whole time. So he's been good. Uh, the only real hole, the real problem right now, now that Azuna got going, Rosario, 
only problem in the lineup is Michael Harris is not hitting at all. No. That, that's the only issue. And I, sample sizes are so important in baseball. Uh, again, I get that the first 20 games or so, 25 that he played, Ozuna was as bad as it was possible. But you also got to keep in mind, 20 or 25 games sounds like a lot. It's about a ninth of the season, maybe an eighth. It's the equivalent of someone in, in NFL having a, a bad game and a half. You know, and, and so when you think of it from those sample sizes, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't have given up on a football player after a game and one half. Right. So it's like, yeah, you, you, it, as bad as it was, it was undeniably bad. 20 games is not a big enough sample size in right. baseball. Not for a hitter. For a pitcher, absolutely. But, but hitter, no. So he's gotten it going. But the Harris sample size is starting to get there. He's up to 32 games. He's up to 103 at bats, and he's still hitting uh, 175. A few better swings recently. He had opposite field home run the other night, which was opposite field doubles and homers are the most beautiful things yeah. because that's when hitters are locked in. They're actually seeing the pitch and going to the correct field. So there's still hope for Harris to, to turn that around. Um, he's obviously a great glove. But that's the one player where if you're picking at right now in the lineup, you, you want to see more from. But but other otherwise, I mean, you're going to have guys hitting the 220s and 230s. You're going to have guys that, that hit close to 300. You're going to have guys that hit 30, 40 home runs in this Braves lineup. That's all normal. Um, I, I have no complaints with it. We only got a minute or two left in this hour. Uh, but, uh, again, Braves have two more with Oakland. Again, 32 and 24 is still pretty good overall. They got off to a flaming start, though. They were on like 110 win pace for a while, wow. now on 96 win pace. But I look, that's you can get too lost if you if you analyze just a handful of baseball games. I, the funniest things always to me, you see like streaks on the bottom, and MLB Network will do this, even though it's the Major League Baseball Network. They'll show like last five games hit 400. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, awesome. He really on a heater for five games. Or some will be like, last seven games, hit 183. Oh, no one's ever done that before. It's like, yeah, you know, you, you can wear yourself out overanalyzing some of it. Well, you can. I, I think even with the small sample size right now, I think it, it, it seems like maybe if – I hope if I'm wrong, correct me here, but it, I feel like that the Braves have struggled against the better teams. Like, if you understand what I'm saying. So, like, they struggled against the Dodgers, who are obviously well, they, very good. They struggled sure. against the Dodgers. They struggled against the Blue Jays, who are very good. Um, they struggled against uh, – they got the wins, but they really struggled against the Orioles, who are really good this year, you know, considering how terrible they've been. Um, they did They did a lot better against the Rangers, who we talked about were good. Uh, the Padres. The Padres are a good team. They struggled against the Padres. It seems like that the teams that the Braves are beating up on are the Marlins, the Phillies, the Mets, uh, the Nationals, teams that they're supposed to be beating up on, the Mariners. Only one one out of three against the Dodgers. Yeah, Right. So it seems like where they're struggling are against the other really good teams. And, the, and again, it's small sample size, but that that's bothersome to me when you start thinking about this team yeah. getting later into the season and you start thinking about the prospects of them in the playoffs. If they're struggling against really good teams right now, 
you know, can they get that fixed? But again, it's it's hard to say because they've just been dealing with so many sure. injuries right now. I will say though, that's a good point because even some of that happened pre-injuries. Like they got swept uh, yeah. by Houston. Yeah. Uh, the Padres stuff was in April when yep. they only won three out of seven or, or whatever it was in those two series. Yeah. One lost one, drew the other. I think. So I mean, look, that's a good point. Now they did have some some success, excuse me, against the Mets, but um, but the Mets are terrible this year. The five hundred, they're going well, to be they're going to be the competition for the Braves. It's not yeah. going to be the Marlins. Well, they started out terrible. Yeah, they're they're five hundred now. They're okay. five out. So they're getting like they're, better. It's not like they're cooked. Yeah. It's they're still very talented roster. Right. Out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned. A lot more sports call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour, Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here. Coming live from our studios on South College Street. And let's go ahead and start our number three by going to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up in our number three, Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm Well, I hope everyone had a uh, happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. Yes, sir. Good deal. Hey, uh, uh, well, I guess uh, it's been a while since I've called, called in, but uh, uh, the NBA – Finals seem to be uh, set now with game one tipping off Thursday. So, uh, not real excited about it. Probably won't watch much of it. But uh, I know from an, an NBA standpoint, it was probably a nightmare those two teams are in. Yeah. Probably rather have a Boston LA matchup than a, than a Denver Miami matchup uh, uh, from, a, I guess, a rating standpoint. But then again, the, their ratings have dropped each year so uh we'll see how that how that turns out but i, I gotta ask you guys and, and i you know I, I flip and watch a little bit of the playoffs i don't watch regular season any but i got to notice and these guys are six eight six ten i don't know 240 pounds and they go up and they at like an act of congress went down on them when they they get fouled, you know, they grab everything and flop around. You know, in the college game, they call that a flop. But in the NBA, they just call it a foul, whether it was a foul or not, which I, I don't understand. They, I saw a, a, a video on uh, one of the social media of the, uh, the Denver and L.A. play, and LeBron went up for a layup, and the official blew the whistle and called a foul. But LeBron grabbed his head, and the guy never even touched him. And I don't see how these officials don't see that. You know, how, how you know, Tatum just flew out of the, went up for a layup and barely got bumped. Well, he flew his six foot ten body 15 feet out of bounds, you know, flopped yep. around. 
I, I just don't. I, I don't like that kind of basketball. That's not. That's not my forte. I'd much rather watch women's basketball, where it's still game of basketball, uh, and not and not a bunch of actors out there with a political view of uh, trying to get something accomplished. But uh, here again, we're we're at the the, the finals, and uh, you know, I, I probably would say that I'd have to probably go with the. Nuggets to win it. Uh, they're more of a, which that's hard to say. I say they're more of a team oriented. Uh, you know, they play they play well as a team, but so does Miami. So uh, you know that might make for an interesting uh, series. Actually, um, you know, Miami's got Nokovic and you know a cast around him. I don't think any of them made first team anything in the NBA or or you know. Uh, and, you know, I guess Butler might have made first-team NBA or, I mean, he deserves it the way he's played in the, the playoffs. He, he, he played, uh, I thought, pretty well. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't realize this, but, I, guys, give me your take on this. You know, one thing I will say about Butler, he he don't really run his mouth a whole lot, especially at the officials that I've seen where, you know, most, most players – if they foul somebody or get a foul called on them, you know, they're going to talk to the officials forever about they didn't foul them or, or whatever the case may be. But Butler just don't seem to do that. He just kind of goes about his business. He's not a he's not a big three-point shooter either. He scores a lot of his points, you know, really on that baseline jumper he's got from about 18 feet out. Uh but I, I don't know, guys. What, what do y'all What do y'all take on this? Uh, you know, I, I've heard you talk about the college basketball and the officiating, but I mean, this is ridiculous in the NBA. Pretty soon, it's it's going to be like the NFL All Pro Pro Day game or whatever they call that two hand tag or, or whatever. Uh, you know, man, I'd like to hear you comment sure. on this. That's uh, sure. Yeah. No. I, I um, look. I, I I think I've said multiple times before. I I, I do. I do love basketball and I do love the NBA, but it, it is flawed in the way that, um, as you're pointing out, that officials call the game. There was something several years ago, back when the Spurs had Manu Ginobili, and uh, you know he kind of was one of the first players to really start flopping and kind of flailing around. And the league implemented a, a no flopping policy where there would be a, a, a fine. Uh, when, when you flopped like that, and it cut it out for a little while, and then they kind of de-emphasized it, and in the last six or seven years, it's really, really gotten to an all-time level. There's guys that I I find to be trying to draw a foul first and trying to make the shot second, which is not yeah. how basketball should be played. You, you you play to score, and then you try and defend yeah. without fouling. You don't try to create contact and create all these fouls, and so I think what they're going to have to do is re-implement and maybe stiffer than just a fine, maybe make it a technical. They're going to have to start really penalizing flopping because it, it is now becoming a skill for these guys to figure out how to draw a foul. I agree. And, you know, I, I, you know, you remember back several years ago, LeBron probably started this, you know, where he would tuck the ball underneath his arm, uh, you know, when he was driving the lane. And I guess it was him, uh, and it would go up for a layup or a dunk. Well, then you saw everybody doing that. You know, you saw college uh, players, men and women, tucking the basketball like it's a football. Mm. 
uh, high school kids doing it. Uh, I mean, I get that. I understand the process behind what they're doing, okay? But now, all of a sudden, and I I saw it at the college level, and basketball is my favorite sport. I mean, it it always has been. Uh, I love basketball. I've coached it. I've played it. Um, It's just my favorite sport. But it just saddens me to see the game of basketball the way it is now. But the, the the thing that I even on the college level this year, and I guess it originated in the pros somewhere. Uh, the new thing now is, uh, and the women do it too. It cracks me up. Uh, they they all want to wrap up and tangle up their arms against each other, and 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 act like one's holding the other one, but yet the other one's pulling the other one down. Yeah. And officials half the time call it wrong. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not. I just shake my head at this stuff. If they, like you said, if they would give them a technical foul, and set them on the bench, maybe even suspend them, or something. Some of that crap they would. I mean, it's not. It's not basketball anymore. Not at that level. And then you, you see the women play, and they, they try to do it. Well, they're not as talented physically as men are. But it's hilarious to watch them out there doing stuff like they're trying to do what the NBA players are doing. Uh, it, it just, I mean, it's, it's almost become a circus to watch all that. Uh, I guess you can, you know, go to the high school level and see some, some not as bad. I, I didn't get to see a whole lot of high school basketball this past year. Uh, but I just wish, you know, they would change, change something in that because it's just absolutely, um, it's not even worth, it's not even fun to watch. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's, there's guys that, I, I dictate how I feel about some of the players not on my team in the league just based off how often they try and flop and draw fouls. There's guys I yeah. got like James Harden who I can't stand because half of what he does is trying just to, to bait people into fouls. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's become a talent. I mean, that uh, they just, uh, you know, they tried to, you know, I, I don't know. I guess they go home and practice it or something. I, you know, I, I don't know how they conceive all this stuff and come up with all these ideas. But, I mean, for the life of me, that that ordeal where two players are, are tangled up with one arm wrapped around the other one, another arm wrapped up, and one's trying to hold his hand up like he's, he's not grabbing, but yet he's clenched down, you know, under his underarm on the other guy. And, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, I agree. And, you know, they just uh, – I don't know. And then when they do foul – you know, they you'd think somebody shot them because they can't believe they actually fouled somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, guys, you know, I just I, with the finals coming up, uh, I may try to watch some of it. Hopefully, it won't be too bad. I, I think both of those teams are are, are well coached. Uh, you know, the guy from Miami. I mean, I think this is just what sixth final, seventh. Yeah, sixth finals. Uh, four, fourth, the LeBron Heat, and now yeah. th- that bubble one in this year. So uh, you know that's uh, that's pretty impressive on his part. You know, to, to eat, to, I mean, I, I can see it with LeBron on your team, uh, and that's the other the other part part of this. And you know, guys, which in this time and day, I saw where I think Philadelphia is fixing to hire Nick Nurse, or maybe they announced that today. Yes, that's uh, correct. On social media, but I, I, really, truly, they ought to just do away with it, head coach, and just let the players coach themselves because basically. That's what's happening in the NBA. I mean, you look at LeBron. Who are they going to get rid of, LeBron or the coach? They're right. going to get rid of the coach. If LeBron goes to the front office and says, hey, we need to let this dude go, he's gone. 
So why even have a head coach? You know, I, I'd just say just, uh, you know, uh, Doc Rivers. I mean, Philadelphia's been pretty good. Of course, they couldn't get over the hump, which he probably maybe he needed to be fired. Uh, but they just, you know, they, they get fired one place and then they resurface, you know, at another. It's kind of like uh, rotating chairs or coaches or, or whatever. But uh, I think that guy from Miami, I don't know how many years he's been there, but he's been there a long time. Yeah, um, it's like 15 be, years, something like that, 14 years. Yeah. He's the of NBA coaches then? But is there anybody? Well, no, the guy from San Antonio, I'm sure, has probably been there. Yeah, Greg Popovich. Yeah, he's been yeah. there since the 90s. Yeah, he's probably the, the one that's been there the longest. Well, anyway, guys, I, I enjoy your show. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of times I can't call anymore, but I do listen uh, every chance I get. And uh, y'all do an outstanding job and, you know, keep up the good work. And good, good Lord willing, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely, Keith. Appreciate your phone call, man. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, talking some NBA right there. Appreciate Keith. Uh, not a lot uh, call in about the NBA, but we certainly – I know I appreciate it because uh, you guys know going around the office uh, that I talk about it frequently. Um, it's just it, – it's always been my favorite sport, but it is with flaws, uh, and, and a lot of those flaws Keith just brought up. I mean, for the person that either – has followed the game a long time or is trying to get into it for the first time, those are not good things to observe. The It's it's fundamentally flawed when someone prefers to get a foul drawn than to make a shot. But yet there are guys in the NBA that I can safely say their intent at times is to get fouled, and then if the shot goes in, great. But I want to shoot two free throws. And it's, it's not the way the game was intended to be played. I don't think that you have to be – from a different generation to feel that way. I think that that is pretty clearly the object of the game is to score the basketball and uh, and to make your shots. And if you're trying to bait other people into gifting you things, then that's not uh, necessarily there how that should be done or the spirit of it. Uh, I think they could police it. Uh, they'll probably have to from an NBA level, not just from kind of how they call the games within the game. They're going to have to – uh, start to talk about penalties for for flopping because these look it's it's in my opinion uh, it, it's hard to get everything right when you're talking about guys that are this strong and this fast a lot happens quickly they still get a lot of it right but obviously we always focus on what they get wrong and these guys have obviously these players have figured out how to deceive these these re, these referees I mean that that's obviously happened. And it is hard to reverse course on that uh, because they've done such a good job of deception. And, again, they're being rewarded for being good at deceiving. Not deceiving the other team, deceiving referees. Again, that's not the object of the game. So I think they're going to have to come up with penalties for flopping. Uh, And I think that I think the European model in one of those leagues, maybe the Spanish league, is a technical foul. And I think it should be called. I think it should be... Uh, if you flop, then then that should be a technical. And look, you get two techs in a game, you're out. So same kind of same kind of deal there. Uh, but um, we might uh, preview the finals here a little bit later, probably, maybe if we have time today, but but certainly later in the week uh, between Denver and Miami, as Miami got that game seven win in Boston last night. Uh, just an incredible display from Miami. I don't know if any either of you guys watched uh, any of it. Did you? Nobody watched it. No, I, I watched. 
I was watching the Coke 600, and then after that, I've, I've flipped over to the Braves. Gotcha. And then I finished up with the Angels and White Sox. So, uh, I, watched, <clears throat> I was able to watch some of it. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't able to pay a lot of like really close attention to it, but I was watching. Um, I, you know, I know when I looked up at it, uh, it was a blowout. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was cut to 10. Mm-hmm. And then it was a blowout. And then it was close again. And then at the end, it was really close going to the fourth quarter. And then I looked up and it was like, whoa, that's a blowout again. Yeah, Miami. So it was just, it was one of the, it's like an accordion. Yeah. Fortunately for Miami, it never got super close. I think it got to seven a couple times. Right. Uh, they, they got it up in the first half to about 15 or so, um, maybe even 17. And then Boston slowly whittled it away. They start the third quarter. Miami starts to get it back up to that 15, mm-hmm. 18 range. Then Boston gets it down to 10. Even seven once or twice. I think I remember the sequence. Butler hit a three. Grant Williams hit a three. Then I think Miami, I think Caleb Martin hit a three, and then Martin hit a two to go up 10 at the end of the quarter. Something along those lines. I'm just so impressed. We sat on this show yesterday, Tom, Cam, and myself, and and Brant was on too, although I I don't know if he ever gave his take on what would happen. Um, We were all on the camp of it it feels like Boston. Now, Now, Cam, to his credit, Still believed a little bit in Miami, but the mountain of momentum uh, for a team that had come down from 3-0 and then had a home game seven felt rough. And I'm kind of mad at myself because as I explained yesterday why I thought Boston would win, I kind of played it back in my head. I said, Ryan, I don't know if you were that convincing. You ever you ever give an opinion on something, you hear yourself, you're like, you know what? I'm actually not convinced of that. Right. I just said it, but I'm not. I don't know if that would convince me if someone said it. And I thought about, like, uh, you know, maybe you're just playing into what you don't want to happen. And like, you don't like the Celtics, so you're just assuming they're going to go out there and win. <laughs> because that would have been the thought about the series. Like, right. Miami's the eighth seed. Obviously, they made a run. Great. But Boston's the team that went to the finals last year. They just overcame a 3-2 hole from Philadelphia. Is a good team. They're going to figure this out. This is a good basketball team. They've got more talent than Miami. But as Miami proved, they've got better coaching. Eric Spolster's awesome. Um, he and, and Pop and, and maybe Steve Kerr third are the clear runaways for best coaches. And I think, again, Pop and, and, and Spolster are on a, a completely different level than anybody else. Um, their team plays incredible complementary basketball. They have a best player in Jimmy Butler, but if you just took Butler and Adebayo – and you then said, all right, give me the other duos in the league. That's like the 15th best duo in the league on right. paper. Like, that's not a special duo. And then you go say, all right, well, here's some of our other key players. Because remember, Tyler Hero was hurt, 20-point-a-game guy out of Kentucky. All right, the other good players are, oh, 37-year-old Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, who's not had a back for like three years. He's had back problems. No. Yep. Oh, you know, you get some Gabe Vincent in here, 10 points a game, some Max Struess. Oh, yeah, Caleb Martin, who got cut by the Hornets. (laughs) And Caleb Martin scored 19 a game. Shot 60%. He was better than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's a 25-point game, uh, a game guy. Jalen Brown's probably going to get $50 million next offseason. A year. Not for the contract, a year. And Caleb Martin played as well or better than him. Yep. And that's about instilling confidence. It's about a clear 
game plan. But Miami's working the ball around, getting it to Butler in key spots. Boston's just like, what if we shoot our 10th straight three and it misses again? I will shoot another one. Boston shot 22% from three combined in the last two games of that series. And they just kept doing it. They just, even though Tatum's a big guy, Brown is capable from the mid-range. Rob Williams on the glass down low. They just did, they did not have any appetite to get the ball down low or stop shooting threes. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I I was in the camp that Boston was going to win that one and I was adamant about it. Uh I mean, I felt the same. I, I did. I I didn't waver on it. I was adamant. Uh I I kept mentioning how they were 5 and 0 when uh facing elimination. They had battled all the way back uh from three from you know from the from the 03 hole. They were at home. They have the better team. They have all the momentum. There's no way they were going to lose this one. Right. And then they, and you know, the Tatum piece of it's real. I mean, he, he rolled the ankle on the very first play of the game. Right. And he was not himself. Now, look, Boston can't use that as an excuse. Again, Tyler Hero, who scored 20 a game, didn't play a second in this series and has not played since the first round. Miami overcame it. Tatum still gave him 42 minutes, although, again, not himself. Um, but Jalen Brown, eight turnovers. Yep. Like you, just, like one player, it doesn't matter. Point guard, small forward, doesn't matter. Can't have eight turnovers in a, yeah. in a home playoff game. Can't do it. Well, you can't have eight turnovers, but you also can't build a house of bricks every right? time and you start shooting. Again, as a team, 22% from three. Yep. So if you go 10 or 15 threes into it, and you're like two of 15, how about you not do that for a while? You know, that's the the Rockets blew one to Golden State five years ago because they missed 24 straight threes. If for a, a half a second they had thought, oh, 15 footers exist, let me try that. Let me work back out to it. They might have upset the Warriors that year. Nope. Just how about another miss three? How about another miss three? All, all it was. And so the strategy part of it that Boston was just not able to figure out the zone that they were just willing to just keep shooting the three, keep shooting the three, led to their lowest, that was the lowest scoring output of the entire year. They did not score less points than that in the regular or postseason wow. yeah. on their home floor in Game 7. It was quite remarkable. Yeah. Quite remarkable. And again, we'll have some thoughts on the finals maybe a little bit later this week when we preview it. But uh, the Miami Heat will meet the Denver Nuggets in Denver. That was also another subplot. Didn't know where the finals would start because of the records. Could have started in in Boston if they had won. But because the lower-seeded and and worst record Heat won, they'll start the finals in Denver Thursday night. We're out of time for this segment. When we come back, we'll go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Follow SportsCall on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here. want to remind you that the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. We also want to tell you about uh, the Alabama Sheriff's Youth Ranch's Memorial Tournament which is going to be held for the in honor of the eight children that lost their lives on an accident on I-65 in June of 2021 and that horrific event. And the golf tournament uh, will be held at the Robert Trent Jones Grand National in Opelika and benefits the Alabama Sheriff's Youth Ranches. The Alabama Sheriff's Youth Ranches was a charity founded by the Sheriffs of Alabama in 1966. The organization provides long-term loving homes for, for needy young people across the state of Alabama. Ranchers live on the ranch in a home with loving house parents and other peers. They attend public school and enjoy extracurricular activities that interest them. The Alabama Sheriff's Youth Ranches currently operate four ranches located in Baldwin County, Colbert County, St. Clair County, and, of course, Tallapoosa County, as well as the administrative office in Montgomery. Uh, at this tournament, there'll be a morning and afternoon tea time option. Morning tea time players will enjoy breakfast, a round of golf, Coca-Cola products, a catered lunch, and an awards ceremony after tournament play. Afternoon tea times will be available, and those players will enjoy a catered lunch, a round of golf, Coca-Cola products, and an awards ceremony after tournament play. First place gross and net division winning teams from both tea times will win a spot in the Tournament of Champions in 2024. Additional prizes will be awarded for second and third place winning teams. Special prizes will be awarded for long drive and closest to the pin on par three holes. Hole-in-one prize opportunities will also be available. The price for a four-player team is $600. Sponsorship levels range from $200 for a hole sponsorship to $5,000 for the titanium level, with increasing benefits given to the higher tiers. Silver, gold, platinum, and titanium sponsors receive at least one team in the event and recognition for their support. Please call Pat Downing at 334-462-0432 or call the administrative office at 334-213-2071 for more information on honoring these precious young people through this charitable event. You can also go to their website at www.alsyr.org. Great event being put on there here uh coming up at uh at rtj for that uh for that tragedy uh tragedy and of course we uh do our sheriff's girls ranch poker run uh each and every june that's coming up here and uh just under two weeks not this saturday but next saturday out of out of beautiful lake martin of course that benefits the sheriff's girls ranch as well so really want to invite everyone to to get in on the action there and and with this golf tournament being held at L, or held at RTJ. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. And next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Thank you uh, for taking my phone call, guys. Good afternoon to uh, you, Ryan, uh, Tom, and Mr. Married Man. That's right. All right. Uh, good to hear from Keith. It's been a while since we've heard from him. He had some are really, I thought, uh, instructive comments about the NBA, which I don't watch as much anymore. It's to me got more, it'd be more like a track race. Um, but anyway, uh, I read this morning about the outcome. I said, wow, what the crap happened? They lost by 19 points, and I saw that they only shot 39% from 
from the field. Yeah, it was unbelievable. They again, they took a lot of, of threes. Uh, they they their pace was not good. They were a little too slow, and, and the zone that Miami presented to them really all series long gave them trouble. So that wasn't supposed to happen, was it? No, I mean not certainly not coming into the series. But once they got down three zero, I mean it seemed like Miami was destined to win the series. But then you blow a three zero lead, including two games at home. Then to go back to Boston, I mean, Miami had a mental hurdle to get over the way they lost game six on that tip-in uh, was gut-wrenching. So I, I genuinely, given that, I, I'm genuinely surprised that, that Miami went into Boston and so thoroughly beat them. Well, about that, guys, um, I don't want to assume something or conclude something incorrectly. I know in basketball, in college basketball, home field advantage is pretty important. Is that not the case when it comes to NBA games? I mean, it's still decently important. I, I think it is more important than, say, the NHL. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I tell you what, the, the recent record here is, is not holding up well for it. Uh, obviously, with, when Boston goes 5-6 and six in this postseason at home as the two seed. Uh, but there have been some Series 1 where, you know, some teams didn't lose a home game. Like, for example, the Lakers and Warriors in the second round Golden State had had that extremely long record, an NBA record of, of most consecutive series with winning at least one road game. Well, they didn't win a road game against the Lakers, and so uh, they were out in six games because they couldn't. The Lakers took care of home court, so home court is still valuable for sure. But it is certainly perplexing when a team like Boston plays so poorly at home. And then I read from Legion Report that apparently uh, Miami, who is was the number one, eight, uh, number eight seeded team. This is the first time a number eight seeded team uh, has made the championship round uh, in the full eighty-two game season schedule. Is that correct? I wasn't sure if it was the fu- uh, full schedule. I think it's the second time an eight's ever made it. I have to go back and uh, look at who the other one was, but I've heard it's the second eight seed to ever make the NBA Finals. Okay, man, I, uh, I overlooked that. Staying with basketball, guys. Janiah Broom is back. Yes, sir. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Are we a Final Four team this coming season? So uh, one quick thing, uh, Steve, on the NBA thing, the the Knicks of 1999 were the other eight seed, and you were right. It was a shortened season due to a lockout. So that's the tie that knot. As far as Auburn's aspirations for this year, uh, I, I don't think it puts them as a, a Final Four team. I think it puts them as, I don't know, where would you guys say, top 15 team yeah. probably yeah. somewhere in there? Sure. Now, look, any team, again, as we know from the NCAA tournament, uh, any team that makes the dance is capable of going a long way in the dance. And, and just because you might be a one or two seed does not guarantee you making the Final Four or anything like that. So to, to start trying to assess a tournament run would be very difficult at this point, but I do think it puts them well within the top 25, and it'll give them opportunities for sure. I know it's way too early, but you know, I just looked at the roster, and I said, wow, you know, we've got some experienced players returning, uh, like Dylan Cardwell, of course, uh, Trey Donaldson, um, go down the list. And I said, you know, uh, I, I don't see this team not going at least to maybe uh, the, the Sweet 16. Yeah, again, it, it's it's so trivial to judge a team based off what they'll do in the tournament because some great teams can be ousted 
very quickly. I, you know, Purdue. I mean, I know this is an egregious example, but Purdue was a one seed last year. They didn't even win a game. You know, and that's rare, obviously, for a one seed. But I guarantee you they they at least were counting those chickens, and and uh, again, those chickens never hatched for them. So. You know, I, I, I don't think of Auburn in terms of what round they'll make the tournament. I think of Auburn in terms of where they might stack up in the SEC or or nationally to start the year. And again, I think they'll be in that 15 or so range in the preseason polls, maybe maybe high teens, like 17, 18, something like that. But, you know, th- that will put them well within range to be on people's radar and, and have opportunities. But again, it's just it's it's tough to know because the tournament is is about randomness and chaos and 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 Auburn could end up being a they could have a great year they could be a top five or ten team and then they not go very far in the tournament or vice versa they could be a five or six seed as we know a five seed in the past and go to the final four. Uh, all those comments uh, have merit and fair enough. Uh, obviously, I was just uh, curious how you saw the talent roster this season. Well, uh, moving on, guys, uh, the uh, baseball team. <laughs> They are in the bracket with, of course, uh, the Miss uh, and, of course, uh, Penn. And um, I was looking at the opponents uh, and their records in Sanford, and even uh, Southern Miss, who has the highest RPI, I'm looking at, and Southern Miss lost both to Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, I know Tommy will come in and say anything's possible, but realistically, we should not struggle with any of these teams, uh, should we? So, uh, you know, I, I'd i have to go back and see what happened in the games with Southern Miss versus uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. But the thing that I will say this is Southern Miss is going to pose a very good challenge to Auburn. This is a team that was in the Super Regional last year. They returned most of their guys back from that team that was in a Super Regional last year. They haven't really lived up to the hype this year, but they were very hyped up to begin the year. Uh, they're going to be tough. Now, Penn and Samford – I think that Auburn is just better than them, and I and if, whenever it comes down to playing them, it should not be much of a challenge. But uh, yeah, baseball stuff can happen. Um, it, it, the game of baseball is kind of an equalizer. I mean, you can have little guy. You had the College of Charleston winning the World Series not too long ago, so you know it happens. Coastal Carolina, or Coastal Carolina. I'm sorry, Coastal Carolina uh, winning the whole thing. A couple of years ago, so the small guys can actually make some noise in the game of baseball because the game itself it just kind of equalizes itself out. But as far as the regional goes, Southern Miss is definitely going to give Auburn a a, a a big challenge. And Coastal Carolina is a regional host again mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, I'm just looking at our Cal roster, and, and then we've been playing uh, for what over a month without even having uh, one of our best pitchers, uh, Herb Holtz, uh, even uh, playing. So he should be ready. And I think that, uh, to me, should be a strong advantage over um, the other teams that we're going to be uh, uh, playing. And then I saw where um, Cole Foster and Bryson Ware both made the SEC All-Tournament team, correct? They did. Yep. Uh, so, um, I, I just, I know anything can happen. I know that I've seen them have bad games. I just don't see them uh, not winning uh, this round and going on to the uh, um, to, to play Clemson. Obviously, it could be wrong. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. All right, moving on, guys. Is it eight or nine games SEC schedule that you uh, would vote for if you were on the uh, President's Radio Committee? I am a strong proponent of nine. What about you guys? Real quickly, eight or nine? Uh, eight. 
Wow. I uh, see. I'm I'm fence rider, but I'm more with eight than I am nine. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I'd like to hear your justifications. I'll give you mine. I'm going with nine, Ryan. Uh, the reason because I read this, and it says here, if you went the Nate uh, season uh, schedule, here's what would happen. You would no longer have the ancillary, as it's called, rivalries, like Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. Uh, they'd be lost. Right. They would not be yearly rivalry games any longer. And that, to me, man, I, I look forward to uh, playing Georgia. Eventually, we will beat them. And Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, those are, to me, traditional games I grew up watching. The only way they will be able to play on a yearly basis is by having a nine-team uh, uh, non-SEC schedule. Right. Otherwise, then you won't get it. So, guys, since you want the eight-team schedule, uh, then what's your justification for that after hearing what would happen and not happen with the nine-team schedule? I, I like the non-conference a little bit, um, and a little bit more. I think that it gives you an opportunity to go out to the non-conference schedule. And, and, and I think, Tom, you said this earlier in the in the program when we talked about this. It gives you a chance to go into the non-conference and schedule another uh, quality opponent. You know, you play, you know, say Auburn schedules Penn State, and then you can go out and get another uh, quality. Okay, well, excuse me for interrupting. Yeah, go ahead. So, Brooks with 18, then would we no longer see Morehouse State or Jacksonville State then? Yeah, I mean uh, that. That's I, I, we talked about it earlier, um, a, a little bit earlier, and I, I would be for if if you were going to a and I said this if you went to a nine game conference schedule, uh, you could schedule you, the conference says who play whoever you want. If you stay with an eight game conference schedule, which is what I would I I, I would lean more toward. Um, you the, you tell the conference or the conference team your conference tells the teams you can no longer schedule FCS opponents. You have to schedule FBS opponents. So you be okay, and Tom as well, with no longer playing Georgia every year. I I would be if, if it. I mean, it's still going to be a regular basis because it's going to be every other year you rotate them in. Um, yeah, but I would, these traditional games I grew up with. You know, it's called Amen Corner. You know, it was Florida. Yeah. Then Georgia and Alabama. Sure. I mean, you know, we we all grew up with Auburn playing LSU and Georgia and everyone every single year. I I just feel like if you're you know the college football landscape is is evolving. Uh, I would like to see more uh, more quality non conference games coming to coming around. Like uh, you know, you say like I said, schedule Penn State and a you know insert Power Five team here. Um, I'm the same way. I uh, there's some sacrifices that had have to be made, um, and obviously you would end up losing the Georgia Auburn rivalry every single year. You do get them every other, but I I just I really like the. I, I like the 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 non conference games, the the playing somebody else from around the country instead of the same old same old. It just it it gets dull when it's the same old teams every single year. I love mixing it up. I love seeing Auburn play the Penn States. I love seeing Auburn play the Southern Cows. Uh, this year we got Cal. Um, you know, playing whoever else. You know, I enjoy those games. That that makes the season a lot more interesting. And you know, to do the home and homes, go out there, bring their fans into this stadium, and let them experience the atmosphere here. Uh, I I just like that. You know, unfortunately, something will have to be sacrificed if you do that. So, doing those non-conference teams, like you mentioned, uh, you and Brooke, could not be done with the nine-team schedule then. 
It could, but it, it just puts a lot more strain on your your players right. because you're playing two. If, if you were to do that, you would play two very quality, you know, say very quality uh, Power Five teams, and then you're adding another conference game in there. And even if it's you know Missouri or Vanderbilt, any any SC, everybody knows that when you play in the Southeastern Conference, you're going to get tested week in and week out, and so it, that just puts a lot more. Uh, it, it puts one more game on your your plate that you're you're going out there and you're having to be fully tested for. Well, I'll just say, okay, make one of the non-conference remaining of the three games, you wouldn't mind, uh, be a Penn State or USC, then the other two be the cupcake games that uh, we normally uh, play. And I mean, you know that that's you could you know that's what probably if you go to a nine game conference schedule, that's probably what people are going to do. Is you're still but but then you continue to give all the other conferences a, an out to say you know oh you're playing this cupcake team and and so I, I don't you know you're you're playing. No, they, they can say that every year. Well, I know this from reading uh, Mr. Sankey is leaning towards a nine team uh, uh, nine SEC schedule. Nine yeah. team SEC. Uh, I read that, and apparently it's evenly split right now among uh, the uh, the ads. It, and they may even be able to vote on it, although he said he'd like to see him go ahead and get it done. I did not know this, that apparently the SEC games are now going to be exclusively on ESPN. Of course, not CBS, not even Fox or NBC. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, that's the new TV deal they signed maybe even two years ago yeah. now, at least one year ago. Um, we've talked about that a couple times. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, for some of uh, uh, a blessing to not hear Gary Danielson anymore. I know some people right. don't, don't like him. Uh, I the other factor is you know they're probably going to have some prime time games again where the biggest SEC game will return to a six or seven o'clock hour. I would think as opposed to two thirty. Now it didn't bother me, but I know it would have bothered some. And uh, you know I I I don't know. I, I CBS did some things that I, I didn't really like either. I mean the the it was a known thing that the, the commercial breaks were longer and that the, the media timeouts were there's one or two extra in there so i, I wasn't a fan of that uh i again i'm fine with it they they believe they're going to be able to announce schedules or at least times of games a week or two further in advance now starting next year because they'll be able to promise it'll be one on one of these uh espn networks we might just not know which one will be the premier network yet so they promised a little more leeway time which i like overall i'm good with it now did you happen to know what the um espn uh payout's going to be to the sec starting uh 2024 because i'm just reading it here i said wow yeah it's a lot i don't remember the exact number billion yep that's a lot and i don't know how they're 40 because they've been uh firing letting people go left and right Yep, it's a lot. Last thing for Steve, then we're, okay. we're about out of time for the show. Here we go, guys. On this date, in 1911, the first Indy 500 race was held. All right, 112 years, or 102 years ago. Yeah, it was uh, won by a gentleman by the name of Ray Harun, H-A-R. Anyway, he drove a single-seater called the Mormon Wasp, and he drove it. Uh, well, he won the race uh, in six hours and 42 minutes at the Astounding speed of seventy four point five nine miles per hour. Huh. Yeah, they go a and, little faster now. Yeah, and the purse. Yeah, I think so. The purse was at that time fourteen thousand two hundred fifty dollars, which in today's money would be how much? I don't know, hundred k, two hundred k, four hundred fifty two thousand seven hundred fifty four dollars. What's a purse now, guys? When you win eighty five hundred? I don't know. I, I I have to check on that. I really don't know. I'm just curious. Is it like close to a million or? 
Uh, for the winner, yeah, it'd probably be around a million, I would say. Indy. Okay. Yeah, I really, I really don't know. That's what I have for you today in today's uh, uh, sports. So if you oh. didn't know it then, you do know it now. Winner payout is three point one million now. That's a lot. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. He got shortchanged back then. Then. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for your time. My time is always, always way up. So you guys have a rest of the afternoon a relaxing and safe one, and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. That is Retire War Dam Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Real quickly, Brooks, a nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Yeah, Whiteley, uh, Whiteley. nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. We'll give you a couple uh, movie picks for you this evening. One of my favorite movies of all time, 6 o'clock on AMC. It's The Green Mile starring Tom Hanks. Great movie if you've never seen it. Then at 6 o'clock on TNT, it's Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It's episode 6 if you're counting. Uh, and so continuing the Star Wars week. I think we had one last night. Uh, limited in sports action for you tonight. Only three things on for you tonight. Starting at 6 o'clock on TBS. It's the MLB action as the Phillies take on the Mets. Later tonight uh, on Bally Sports South, the Braves look to bounce back against the Oakland Athletics at 8.40 p.m. That's the first pitch. Late night on the West Coast. And then, of course, some WNBA action for you tonight to round things out at 8 o'clock. The New York Liberty visit the Seattle Storm. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks put WNBA on the TV guide. Knight did not put on NBA last night. Darn no, right. And that's why I didn't read his TV guide last night. Uh, so I knew you, you wouldn't. Uh, so, uh, but thank you for that, Brooks. You're and uh, Wacky Wednesday coming up tomorrow. Woo! Tom, see you then, too. I, I'm ready to get wacky tomorrow. Absolutely. A wacky Wednesday, a blind soda taste test coming up for Wacky Wednesday tomorrow. Of course, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in today. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.